Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. <laughs> What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, Matt and I actually didn't even say who was going to do the intro for this week, but we are on episode 56. We want to say thank you for tuning in. Matt, how you doing? Well, I am going to be so transparent right now. This is... We're pretty, we're pretty polished with our podcast right now. Like, I mean, polished. We do okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I had to deal with, I think you say, Henri or Henry or whatever it was. It was a hurricane for a little bit coming up the East Coast. And then it kind of came in directly at New England. And I'm utility safety professional. And so when storms come, we roll in. And I have been since, I don't even know what day it is. I feel like it's Tuesday at least. But it's Monday mm-hmm. evening. Long story short, I rushed from the storm work, like on the clock, off the clock salary. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even have my background up on my TV behind me. I'm like doing that right now. There's a lot of stuff going down, but we have a great show lined up. Like uh, two guests. Mm-hmm. Luke Humphreys. Yeah. yeah, confirming two guests at the same time, which helped out. <laughs> and who else, Nick? And good old Matty Orem, who you guys have seen his name throughout most of the year. Um, he actually just won the Stafford Open out in Jersey. So he was finally able to get on the show. We're super excited about that because he's got some incredible stats we're going to talk about with our boy Evan from Stat Mando, who is actually in studio tonight with Matt up there in Massachusetts. That is right. And if I get my controls right, Evan, say hi to everyone. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> there There's Evan, everybody. So we're excited to have him in. In fact, they did something special, Nick. Um, oh, I think it's special, or, or they're just making it up. But here's what it is. They mm-hmm. they gave me, well, I guess it's considered a first run, as in like, can you confirm, Evan? Is this the first one they ever made? Uh, I'm almost positive I wasn't there, but <laughs> <laughs> from my knowledge, it is the first one, yes. Okay, let me switch out. There we go. Oh, I got the tag on there. Actually, you know what? I'm going to keep the tag on there. Is that what all the cool kids do? And I'm going to keep the tag on there because I may hang this up and say, this is like, you know, collectors, disc golf thing. Collectors are big deal. So, yep. Yep. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that. So stat Mando, we're glad to have them in the house providing all of our stats every week. Mm -hmm. All right. Wow. Can I take a breath, dude? Like seriously? Yeah, Matt. Matt (laughs) I couldn't even been home. Hard job goes right into creating the show. We were kind of nervous that we weren't even going to do the show this week because if Matt, if Matt's not available to do it, I can't run everything on my side. So I, uh, yeah, we were literally teetering on canceling and I have not even been home almost for two days or whatever. I don't even know, maybe three days where Mm -hmm. it's just craziness. Here I am. I'm taking a breath. We're talking disc golf, not work. Mm -hmm. That's the best part. (laughs) So I guess. To kind of recap or what we're going to go over in the show is we're going to go over the tourney recaps. We got the Finnish national championships that went on. And then we also got the Stafford open that went on. We're going to talk some predictions probably about the MVP open, which is, or excuse me, Delaware, which is the next big event. Uh, That's a national tour out in Delaware. We're going to talk about that one as well. And then we have Luke Humphrey's interview. We're bringing back stat or fiction this week. So we're going to have that game. Matt and I are going to go into against each other. And Evan is going to be kind of our moderator. And then our interview with Matthew Orm. And then obviously the big match play tournament is happening 
September 17th through 19th. So we're going to be able to talk about that a little bit now that we have the legit brackets and going to see where everyone ended up placing for that. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I'm excited about it all. It's like, unfortunately again i'll just say it with my work like it was hit or miss but i was following the best i could using udisc uh every now and then yeah. jumping in on live sometimes we sit in our trucks while it's raining sometimes um yeah, so know, right? i'm excited to break it down um and later be able to talk to maddie O, uh the winner there and missy gannon of course so we're just getting them out of the mm -hmm. way like those are our winners i think yeah, we can talk about it. It's good that Missy won this. I'll just put it that way. It's good that she won this. That's that's my yeah, takeaway. Oh yeah. I mean, any win's good, but I mean, this is a silver mm -hmm. series. Um, I don't want to say not. We know we know the talent wasn't as strong. I'll just put it that way. So it's really good mm -hmm. that she won this. Mm -hmm. That's really good. So. Yeah, the field the field was smaller, but it was still definitely definitely had some big competition at it. And if you want, Matt, I can kind of jump right into it with the Go stats. Ahead. Go ahead. Cool. Well, obviously, everyone knows Matt Orem won with a minus 37. And I'll say this, Matthew Orem dominated pretty much every single stat line. Gained T degree, he was first place in that. Gained putting, he was second place. Fairway hits, parked, circle one in reg, circle two in reg, birdie percentages. He was first place. Scramble percentage, second, circle one X, first, and then circle two, third. So he absolutely murdered it, which is why he won by 11 strokes at this event. Nathan Queen coming up, getting second place. Andrew Fish, third place behind him. Michael Johansson at fourth place. And then someone who you might not have heard of too often, but Justin Rozak. I think he's from the Pennsylvania area, but is in Virginia here and there. I know that. Um, he ended up getting fifth place. And then Matt Bell and Luke Humphreys, who is a future guest of ours, getting sixth place. So, Evan, give us some highlights about Matt Orm that you've written down in your notables. Well, uh, Matt Oram, <clears throat> this is his 18th A-tier win out of 69 total PDGA wins. Um, many people know that he dominates Alabama and the rest of the Gulf states, but this is actually his 25th win outside of the Gulf states. Uh, still can get it done anywhere in the world, as we've seen the last couple of weeks. Uh, this is also his second easternmost win, which I find a fun fact. Uh, he won the Greater Hartford Open a couple of years back, and that was his easternmost um, and this is one of his best, uh, event ratings, uh, in a win. It was the second best at a 1065. Um, and 2021 has been a good year for him, not only on the, uh, tour, but also just in general, it was his ninth win of 2021, the most of his career in a single season. Wow. Yeah. Good. Good on him, especially when the competition is getting better in the disc golf world to still be able to dominate in the 2021 year and then going on even into the 2022 year when it happens to be able to just consistently still be playing matthew orm's been playing i mean shoot if you go onto his pdga page since 1999 he's been a pdga member so his name has been around for a while disc golf Pro tour actually put up a funny video of him wearing an a-rod uh, jersey at one of the world championships when he was in the final nine so the dude's dude's been playing a long time and really just been dominating and this year we've seen his name probably the most out of most other years. So it is good to see him. I'm excited to hear from him later as well. For sure. Um, I'm glad you guys are kind of breaking that down because I'm still trying to catch up on some tech stuff. It's part of producing the show at the same time as talking about it. Um, I just want to make sure real quick, and I hate to do this to our guests, if anybody feels like my audio is unlistenable for some reason, let me know. I know some was saying my mic might have been buzzing 
only when I'm talking. If that's the case and it's bad, let me know. If it's not too bad, let me know that. Um, so um, previous winners. And then are you? how do you feel about breaking down the finish uh, championship there? Do you want to move over or you want to keep talking about Stafford? No, let's keep talking about Stafford. So we got right. the FBO side, and then we can talk about the previous winners for it. So on the FBO side of the Stafford Open, Missy Gannon taking it down, actually back-to-back -back years for Missy, taking down this event, which is incredible. Uh, she averaged two points above her rating. She was able to win the tournament by two strokes uh, over Natalie Ryan and Michelle Frazier. And then Holly Finley rounding out, Holly Finley, Alex Benson uh, rounding out the top four. Missy Gannon, pretty solid all across the board, had a couple second place stats, uh, circle two putting. She was the best circle two putter and was able to take home 1200 bucks, 1250 bucks from this event, which doesn't seem like a ton compared to what we have been seeing on the pro tour levels. But you got to remember, this is a silver series event and uh, any win at this point, being able to do it in 2021, I would consider a good win. 1200 bucks is definitely not too shabby. And uh so Missy Gannon, let's see, she has 18 open wins now. This is spanning for four years of playing in the FPO Open Division. Her first eight wins were in the Mountain Time Zone. And then, Evan, if you want, go ahead and read up the rest of the stats that you got. Yes, so she, I think, is an official resident of Colorado, but is from New York originally. Uh, but her first eight open wins were all in the Mountain Time Zone. But then her next four were in Central. And then her or her last five out of her last six wins have all been in the Eastern time zone, with the one not being as uh, Des Moines Challenge earlier this year. Mm -hmm. So that, that's over like four years, which I just found interesting that she's kind of one in clusters of the, the U.S. over time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Hey. Hey, I'm back. I'm back again. Oh, <laughs> this, there's Matt. This might this might be the most jumbled I've ever been on a show. I'm glad we're doing it. Um, Missy Gannon, yeah. I thought what was I? I said this when we first interviewed her, but lucky enough to have met her on the ferry ride over to Nantucket. Kind of like, hey, I don't know who you are. She's with her boyfriend. So then we started talking, and it's awesome to see her progress to this point. So that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun to watch. Uh, I mean, you could see all the rounds. It, Matthew Orm just, or Matt Orm just really looked smooth throughout the whole event. And so being able to kind of watch that, it was good to see some woods golf. That's what I enjoy watching the most out of disc golf tournaments. And uh, so it was good. It was a good Silver Series event. I thought what was cool. I don't know, uh, Evan, if this was just for the FBO division, but it says no player registered in these, this event had won a Silver Series event before. Is that everyone, MPO and FPO? Yeah, that's the whole division. So, uh, Sarah Hokum was originally res registered for this event, and she's won one, but then I think she dropped for whatever reason. So there was guaranteed okay, to be gotcha. a new winner in MPO and FPO for Silver Series. Very cool. Some previous winners were Michael Johansson and Missy Gannon back in 2020, and then 2019, Matt Bell and Lisa Fakus, who we have had on the show before. So that pretty much wraps up the Stafford Open talk. And I think one of the other big highlights that was going on last weekend was the Finnish Open National Championships. And one of the big reasons about that is we've had such big debates this year for the FPO division about who's number one in the world, who's number two in the world. Are the Europeans that dominant compared to the Americans? What do we got going on? And although we still haven't really seen the European standpoint versus the American standpoint competing against each other. We are able to see some big tournaments that Kristen Tatar has played in, Evelina Salonen has played in, and Henna Bloomrose has played in. And one of the biggest highlights of 
this last weekend was that Hanna went and dominated the Finnish national championships, actually winning by nine strokes over Evelina. And uh, her highest round rating in round four was a 9.93. She averaged seven points above her rating to take down the event. And same thing like Matt did at Stafford. Evelyn, or, uh, excuse me, Henna just went, dominated pretty much every single stat line. She was first gained tee to green. Her park percentage was first. Circle one in regulation was first. Birdie percentage, scramble, all those things that you need to win a tournament. She was doing great. Her putting was eighth place at this event at 67% from Circle 1X. But when your gain T degree is good, your park percentage is second best in the tournament. I mean, you don't really need to count on it too much at that point. So that was great to see. And then, like I said, Evelina getting second place. Uh, she was nine strokes back, averaging 21 points below her rating. And I think this is two tournaments in a row where we've kind of seen Evelina slip where we'd expect her to do better at these events. And so this kind of brings on that talk of who is the number one player in the FPO division. Well, so I think it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a huge talk. I think it's still, it's still tough to really determine who it actually is until they it's, can all compete against each other. Exactly. But it was great to see Hannah, these last two events really kind of bring a domination into them. Yeah. And I think it's just notable. And I was actually talking to Evan pre-show that I feel like, and it's based off of Evelina's, you know, social posts and whatnot, that it seems to me as if it's like, I don't want to say the yips, but the putting confidence. You, and I even asked, I think it was Hamas last week. I said, we've all experienced that. And he's like, oh yeah. So like, for me, I believe that that's what's going on there. It's her putting right now. She's always been able to perform high level. She did it the first couple of rounds of those events. And then something, maybe pressure, Something made her lack that confidence. Think about don't miss, don't miss, don't miss. You know what I mean? When you start thinking don't miss yeah. instead of hit this putt, it's, and that's what I think is happening. That's my take on it. Uh, Evan, do you have any well, comments I mean, on she, that? Well, I mean, it's tough to overcome any kind of mental thing like that if her putting is, but um, I mean, the one thing going for her is it seems like the rest of this year will be in Europe. Who knows how early next year she'll come over to the States, but she does have a while before she'll have to face off against all the Americans. Uh, and I mean, even Chris Tatar, I don't know what their schedule like is for the rest of the year. So I, I'm sure Evelyn will come back firing once she's uh, all good to go. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it really does just look like it's a big putting issue going on with Evelina right now. She was 18th in putting out of 20 players. She was 18th in circle one X putting. Uh, we all know Evelina to be a very dominant player off the tee. She did dominate a lot of those stat lines, but she did not do well putting. And from circle two putting, she was actually 0%, 0 through 23 putts. So definitely something that, like Matt was just saying, maybe got the putting yips going on. So curious to see where she's going to go from that. And, you know, I don't know how quick this would be found out, but when was the last time that she didn't shoot a single round above her rating at a four round event? <laughs> so every single round was at some point below her rating. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's tough when you're going up against henna as well, who's shooting 991 rated round and 993 rated round. And you know, that puts a pretty good lead. You know, after two rounds, she had an eight stroke lead. So then at that point you can kind of play a little bit more, I guess, lackadaisical and not have to push as hard, and especially when your competition isn't really pushing against you but as well. what's interesting about that conversation is the opposite side, where I feel like, and I'm going to talk about Paige, and she didn't even uh, play in the, any of these events this week, but where Paige gets such a lead sometimes, I feel like 
she has that freedom to press as hard as she wants, which is that aggressive nature or however you want to look at it, not, you know, as Sexton would say, not smart golf. Like you don't need to do that. Don't do that. And so I feel like that actually can backfire. I feel like, you know, against someone like Paige where she gets so used to that too, that when she has to kind of come back to a smarter golf game, when the, the, the race is tight, that now she's not practiced up in that game. So I, for Evelina, maybe that's what it is. She got used to it and now she's having to battle. She doesn't know how to do that, but it's almost the same in reverse for Paige. So at least that's my opinion. So no, I, I understand that. Yeah. So um, what are we missing here? Either Evan or Nick in regards to any of the stats? Oh, I'm going to toss it over to you guys, but Stacy Ronsley, one of our listeners uh, or viewers, uh, she says it gets through her through some of her longer rides. Stacy, hello. Yeah, I hope that made you smile. Um, she performed pretty well at this event. And so good job for her and to her. I'm looking forward to meeting her and others at the MVP Open. Um, but anything else that stands out to you guys um, as I get ready to line up our guests here? What do you guys think? Uh, I think one thing that stands out to me really quick, we'll shout out Vino Makala. Uh, he was actually able to win in the MPO division for the Finnish, uh, Finnish nationals. I kept saying Finnish open or something like that, but it's actually called the Finnish nationals. And then um, just looking at one of the notables that Statmando and Evan have provided us is that dating back till 2014 for the FBO division, there's only been two separate winners and it's been Hannah or Evelina. So I think it's just kind of cool. They're kind of like flip-flopping forth where, you know, Hannah won in 2014, Evelina won 2015 through 2017, 2018 through 2021 now has been winning it. I'm no foreign policy (laughs) expert in. All right. So we actually, we're lining them up. I just want them to know right now they, they, they can be heard, but they can't be seen yet. We, that get excited. Everybody get excited. We are lining up right now, Luke Humphreys and to follow after that, Maddie. Oh, so um, let's go ahead and get them lined up here. And then Evan, did you have any final comments on the, on the stats or anything that we might be missing? Um, I mean, the sheer like amount of winning um, that Hannah and Evelina have done against each other, I think is really interesting. Uh, I just want to say real quick that Evelina has won the Finnish national championship three times. Her average win margin is 8.33. And Hema Blomrus has won five times, now four in a row, uh, and by an average win margin of 6.2. So whichever way it goes, they're they're just crushing it. It's whoever's tournament. Yeah. Wow. All right, guys. Well, I, I think, you know, I'm stuttering over my words tonight. That's what's happening here. Um, let's go ahead and transition into our interview with Luke. Humphreys. Is this music work for that? Can we do that? All right, let's uh we'll, we'll talk about it for next week. <laughs> All right. All right. Everybody, Luke Humphreys. Uh he's got a dog, the goodest boy, I think, and we, we I don't even know where to start. He's more well known than the Nick and Matt show. I am sure of it. So, oh, that is, that's, oh, there, we let him speak for once. That's, you know, not something I'm good at, but go ahead. You know, where, where are you guys located right now? You just played an event. You played pretty good. Where are you located right now? 
We are, we are in, in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania actually. actually. We came, we came up, up Steve Bro's house. house. It was about, about an hour and a half north of that Stafford Woods course that we played the Silver Series at yesterday that Matt won. Um, so we just came up here for a little while. We were hoping to get to the PGA event, which was suspended yesterday. So the final round was going to be today. The Northern Trust opened. We were hoping that we could just go watch some PGA golf, watch some people hit some golf balls hard, but they banned spectators because of how much rain this area's got. So unfortunately, we just, I mean, not not unfortunately, but we chilled around here. We saw AGA Farms and the Steel Club where they're going to host the match play event here in like a month or something like that. So we stopped by that property and saw it and just uh, chilled, watched the golf on TV. Very nice. What do you think of the property for the match play event? It's incredible, dude. It's absolutely amazing, Nick. Um, the place is on an old ball golf property. Nine holes have been allotted to the match play event, and it's the nine that are original from like 1946 or something like that. So they've got a great piece of property that was selected back in the day. You know, there's no more property in Pennsylvania or in the good parts of Pennsylvania, anywhere in the Northeast, really. You had to have locked that piece down early. So just to get a chance at a nice place like this, it's it's really immaculate. And Steve's done an incredible job at getting it ready. Uh, we didn't get to see all of it because of how moist the conditions were, but it looks incredible, dude. The place is insane. Mm -hmm. and then what do you think about the whole match play, match play style tournament? What do you think about that? Dude, I love it. So I've got a ball golf background specifically, and they do have big match play tournaments in ball golf. The Accenture match play, which is in Austin, Texas, goes down every year. And it's just like a, a really interesting kind of unique way for people to compete. And I, I think it should be in disc golf for sure. I think it should be more than 16 players for sure, but it's got to start somewhere. And uh, I love that they're doing it. Yeah. And I just want to stop for a second and ask everybody in the live audience everybody listening driving their cars to work whatever like do you feel like right now you're watching a whole intro to a skins match because that's definitely where i feel right right now i'm like right we got five skins built up 500 bucks here on hole eight <laughs> we I, I feel like i should sit back right about now and uh yeah. watch and enjoy and i'm gonna be i'm a transparent guy that is probably right now my favorite and i'm saying it publicly my favorite disc golf content to watch outside of a tournament like live event that yeah. is mine yeah so we appreciate it and it, it became something organically it was never you know we didn't have this goal in mind necessarily but the fans you know they've told us a little bit about what they want it's kind of it's been an evolution to to what you see now but I mean, I'm lucky to be a part of it, and and I agree. I like being there as well. It's fun content to to watch. Mm -hmm. So who who kind of came up with the idea, and kind of where'd the relationship come between you and GK Pro? So um, after Waco in 2020, tournaments were called. They were like, mm -hmm. we don't know when we're coming back. There's a lot of unknowns that popped up, and. Um, you know, it was, it was consistent for like, it, we didn't know when it was going to stop. So the second that Arkansas became the first state to open, I was like, I was having a couple of beers with some buddies at 10 o'clock on a, on a Saturday night when I heard that. And by 11 o'clock, I had talked to the PGA coordinator in Arkansas and also a private course owner in Arkansas. And we had already scheduled an event for the next weekend. So oh, okay. we got an event started immediately. The first B tier and then the next weekend was the second B tiers that were run anywhere in the world post COVID and GK Productions being so close they're they're located in Tulsa. 
those guys are all Oklahoma guys, great dudes. It's been awesome getting to know those guys. But they said that they'd come down and film it. And um, they said that if we could figure some stuff out to do during the week, that we could just figure we we fill it up, you know. So mm-hmm. I came up with a skins batch that we'd have. I looked on the PDGA registry and called every single disc golf related company, asked them if they wanted to be affiliated with it. OTB, uh, Danny, I talked to Danny Corbett, and he was the biggest proponent of getting started in the skins. He gave us. I mean, like 1200 bucks or something like that to just use anywhere we wanted. He he gave full faith in the fact that it was going to be a product people liked. And uh, mm-hmm. they've continued to be the partner that uh, we couldn't even, you know, imagine. Yeah. And again, it's, de- it's definitely doing really well into the fact that I've even considered sponsoring as Nick and Matt show, which kind of leads to. Oh. And you don't need it. We don't need to have this business conversation on the air, but, but really like, how do people do that? Do they reach out to you and you put them in contact with someone or like, cause you continually are getting, you know, people to sponsor the CTPs or product placements. Um, it seems like the sky is the limit as far as that goes, including, um, rocket league and all of that. I mean, like, so how do people get, if there's people listening now, like how do they get that? Yeah, that kind of evolved. We knew that, we could use this thing as just like a, a big commercial basically that involved players goofing around, making some cash, but also product placement. And that was one thing we tried for sure. So people reach out to me all the time. The place to go is gkprodisc at gmail.com. If you email the business coordinator, Isaac will handle all of that stuff. You can talk through numbers, set up a contract for like a, a handful of events is typically what we do, uh, like a Northeast swing or a California swing so that mm-hmm. you get a little bit more than just like a flash in the pan or whatever. But yeah, it's been awesome. And then the the Epic Games guys, the Rocket League guys, they're, they're actually huge disc golfers. Okay. We met them in Portland. Um, I can't remember their names right now, unfortunately, but awesome dudes. The, one of them was the marketing director at Epic Games. So these weren't just like... Uh, fans of disc golf that happen to also work at epic games they're like decision makers with uh, the ability to move some cash around into the disc golf business so i think that we're going to see something else from epic games i can't say too much but they're um they're going to be a part of disc golf for a long time i think very cool i think that's awesome just another outlet that has been bringing outside sponsors into the sport right now. One of our sponsors for the Nick and Matt show is Manscaped. And then just having these different companies who aren't disc golf company, uh, excuse me, having these different companies who aren't manufacturers or clothing brands for disc golf. They're specifically built outside of disc golf and then finally coming into it. I think that's something that we've been talking about for years and that the sport actually needs. So it's awesome with what you and GK pro are doing to be able to bring in those other outlets. Yeah, no, you're exactly right with that. And I'll excuse Hogan back here <laughs> starting Steve's house. I don't know what he thinks is happening, but we're like in one of the neighborhoods in Pennsylvania. So you're good. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. Um, the future is companies outside of disc golf. Mm-hmm. You don't see the F1 companies going strictly with tires or paints or glass or whatever it may be. Like you got to spread your wings and fly and, and see, you know, where there's interest at the end of the day. All right, because, you know, we've only got limited time with you. I want to hit some of these uh, that we've talked about a lot of good things already, but I want to hit some more. First of all, I don't yeah. want to I, I don't want to be wrong here. Okay. You got first in Am Worlds what year? 2018. OK, so not too long ago. It was pre pandemic. Everything's kind of yeah. shuffled up since then. Um, Definitely. Yeah. 
how do you feel like your game has developed since winning Am Worlds? Because obviously you just you you just performed pretty high level, but we see so much of you as a yeah. commentary guy, if you will, commentator. But like, do you feel like your game's developing to where you feel pretty confident in the pro scene right now, like holding your own? I've gotten to where I'm, I can play pretty good without practicing is basically what it's become <laughs> with skins matches and some other videos or travel time or whatever it may be. I don't practice very much. I definitely played more disc golf when I was an amateur, like a bunch of people, you know, I run into amateurs constantly and they're like, Oh man, if I just played disc golf every day, like y'all, I'd, I'd be so good. And I'd be 10 30 rated. And it's like, I play the least amount of disc golf I've ever played, man. Like since mm -hmm. I started basically. So figuring out how to be efficient on the course without a ton of practice time and, um, and figuring out the courses and stuff has been a big part of success of late. I don't think, you know, I, I don't want that trend to continue, but there are investments. <clears throat> I know there are investments I'm making right now that I couldn't necessarily just make if I was playing. I have to do something else. I have to, you know, not become a mogul because that sounds a little bit Hollywood or whatever, but just be an entrepreneur and figure out mm -hmm. other ways, other avenues to to bring myself to the to the light. And disc golf is one of those ways, but the focus is elsewhere of late. And it'll it'll switch up. That is also evolving as I figure out kind of what I am or what disc golf is, because this this is all new to all of us at the end of the day. And before yeah, Nick exactly. takes the next one, I just wanted to hear your performance this past weekend. Um, if you had to rate it one to ten, how do you feel like you performed according to your abilities? Like, did it feel excellent being ten, or did it feel really poor? Like, what did it feel like? Average? Give it to us. Two out of ten first day. 9.5 out of 10 second day, five out of 10 third day. So that's like a six out of 10 <laughs> average. Probably, you know, I, there was a lot of really good big names missing in this tournament. Um, Matt blew away the competition and it's hard to say that anybody would have beat him this weekend, but uh, I definitely didn't shoot like extraordinary golf. I think I averaged 10, 23 or 10, 25 or something like that. So, you know, I would have probably placed, top 20 at a pro tour event that had all the names at it. You know, I'm taking it with a grain of salt in perspective. Like my T six is T 18, you know, at Idlewild probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. And yeah, the field wasn't as in depth, but it is still good because um, I mean, you're on coverage and your name gets out there even more than it already is at this point, which yeah. is cool. But I definitely liked your, kind of looking for other investments to try to pursue that lifestyle of consistently being able to do this. And I think that's what a lot of disc golfers are doing now is trying to find investments in other ways so that they can support the lifestyle of being a professional disc golfer. And then we're finally starting to see some of these professional disc golfers really make a big name for themselves. And I think one of the biggest things is like Kyle Klein, who really put in the time and effort to just strictly play disc golf, finally gets a disc golf pro tour win. But then we have other people like yourself who's going in this more media outlet of it and that's obviously bringing you a revenue to where um, you drive an event, correct? I do, yeah. And I also work another job. I have a degree and work for, in sales for a company based out of Dallas. So I sell packaging and shipping supplies still to this day. Um, I just work with a, a select clientele at this point. But I do have another job. And then, um, you know, the GK skin stuff and then apparel stuff that I'm doing of late. And I also have like a small mineral shop in Dallas. So I, I tried to spread myself out a little bit. So one thing wouldn't really, you know, rock bottom and, and hurt me. 
Yeah, exactly. That's, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I like that. That's like yeah, diversifying, right? Diversifying. So there's the chat asking me if I can ask you about painting. So maybe you want to just elaborate on, do you paint? Is that something you do or are they way off here? Oh, uh, I have done some like during periods of my life, like a lot of painting. I don't do it regularly though. I'm like not very artistic. Um, I can make grids or whatever, but like the freestyling, the actual art, as I like to call it, I'm poor at, I don't have that, whatever it is, part of the brain. <laughs> And then the follow-up to that one along the lines of like doing things outside of disc golf is uh, rock hunting, right? Or rock hound. Is that what you would consider yourself? And um, maybe what are some of your favorite types of rocks to find? Right on, right on. I like this. I like where you're going. Yeah, rock hound is proper terminology. Um, it's just somebody who looks for minerals, rare gems and minerals that um, are all across the United States. And that's one of the things we do is travel, right? So I've just this year, I've dug Jasper, I've dug uh, Jade, I've dug Garnets, Quartz, obviously, Agates. Um, I hope to add some stuff to that list, but there's a couple others on there that we just, you know, there's kind of a community now that's evolved on tour. Madison Walker was there previously and Calvin Heinberg were both big into fossils. Um, but they've since kind of gotten into the rock hounding part of things. And I do carry like grinding and polishing equipment in my van with me at all times, just in, in case we need to bust out an impromptu rock sesh or something like that. <laughs> so because I have an 11 year old who is extremely interested in all things, I'll say minerals, um, the element, the table of elements and absolutely loves this stuff we have found ourselves on youtube like watching people rock hunt and like as thrilling as that sounds it kind of is both thrilling and boring but like you some of the rocks these guys find you're like i want to go find that or i want to find that yeah. mineral and so when you travel around to different parts of the country do you find yourself getting excited about ooh, there's this type up here or whatever like is that something that happens Yes, it definitely does. Like I, I get super stoked when I'm headed to say Carolina here in a little bit because I've never found an emerald, but I'm Ooh. fixing to change this year. Yeah, they've got some emeralds down there. They've got amethysts, sapphires. They've got some really good stuff in North and South Carolina that I haven't dabbled in. I need to check some stuff off the list for sure. So then where do you go from there where you find these rocks? What's like the next step? Well, there's like two different, you'd put them in two different categories. There'd be a specimen, which is like a, it'd be like proper crystal structure that's not too dinged up. It shows good clarity or something. So there'd be a specimen that you just like put on a windowsill or in like a glass case with a bunch of other specimens. And then there'd be like a lapidary piece, lapidary meaning um, like to, to crush and grind and cut a rock and into like a cabochon which would be like a smooth stone that you'd use in jewelry earrings necklace something like that mm -hmm. so you define which one and then you just like start cutting it into slabs and then turning those slabs into jewelry pieces and i you know i don't have a silversmith on tour yet we should get one if anybody's <laughs> looking you do silversmithing like come out here we'll pay you like you'll, you'll have some <laughs> but wow. um yeah can't set them, but I've made a ton of uh, really cool jewelry pieces that I've handed out, given out to people who have friends that wrap or have silver work or whatever. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to be so busy during MVP, but if, you, if you're going to go out rock hounding, if you or whatever, that, is that how you call it? Rock hounding? 
Okay. Dude, rock hunting. Rock, rock, rock. Okay. Um, Either one. Hit me up because, yeah. and not for my 11 year old, I'm, I, I'm interested too, but if you're going to do it, like be like, yo, I'm up here. Cause I'm in Leicester right around yeah. MVP. So if you're going to do it, I'd love to check it out with you. Um, transitioning to the fact that I'm in Leicester and a question that relates to going back to skins match. What is the biggest moment in a skins match history? The biggest moment that actually came to fruition, like Eagle missing that putt for 1800 or wherever it was. I mean, in that recent one, that's big, but like, what was the biggest moment that came to fruition? It's gotta be that slip ace, man. Yeah. Going back to Maple Hill when Kevin Jones just wiped out, we thought that he broke everything in his body and, <laughs> you know, sure. I, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I couldn't take my eyes off of the disc actually. So I didn't, I was like, that's not going to get any more hurt. I'm just going to watch it. <laughs> I and, love uh, that. Most beautiful thing I ever saw, man. It, it's still to this he day. Yeah. I can't believe it, man. Yeah. That I, one. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I love the way you said that because you're like, he's not going to get any more hurt. I loved that because my story is I missed the biggest ace of all time because, and I was there on the card and I was, because I was looking with big germ at Kevin on the ground and uh right. but my two sons are like dad we saw it go in and i'm like well good for you but i missed it so <laughs> they didn't care about kevin either yeah that moment was special it's either so there's three moments his roller on hole one at fox run Ooh. also kevin mm -hmm. jones he eagled that hole which i didn't even think was possible and then yeah, right. drew gibson's birdie on hole 12 during our ledgestone skins last year that was just like any birdie on that hole, especially the way he did it. It was just incredible. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about mm -hmm. Northwood. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the stupid, ridiculous par five in the woods, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, par people, six. People, yeah. The par <laughs> six, exactly. People have arguably said it's one of the hardest holes in disc golf. Yeah. So, yeah. He yeah. throws the second shot pinched on the right. I can't remember exactly, but you know what he does. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's insane I, what he does. I just thought this up, Nick. Instead of letting Luke go, I think what we're going to do is we're going to have, if you don't mind, Luke, we're going to actually have Matt join you for this next section. If he's there, we'll have you. Yeah, he, okay. So let me, let me transfer a few things here real quick. You can have him come over in screen with you because we're going to play okay. a game that can include both of you. Um, I'd say. And, but right before we get to that, Nick, we're going to give our sponsors a little bit of love. So here we go. All right, everybody, the whole world is included in this message. If you have hair growing, you probably have a grooming problem. Uh, unless I guess that's your thing. But if that's your thing, you're probably using Manscaped. They have this package, the Lawnmower 4.0. You're going to kick your grooming problems to the 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 outside you don't need those problems anymore you get 20 percent off if you use the code nick and matt uh we know that people are doing this and we thank you for that that's supporting mm -hmm. manscaped uh they have a special package they've got gift packages um the whole thing nick and i are using our products nick do any of the features for manscaped stand out to you uh what's your favorite 
waterproof is awesome. Everything that they've been sending us so far has been waterproof. And then just like the lightweight durability of everything. And they charge really quickly as well. So, I mean, everything so far, I haven't had any issues with them. They come with multiple different heads on them. The uh, They also have the Weed Whacker 2.0 that they sent us for the nose hairs. Every so often, one little one pops out. So, boom, take that. Stick it up the nose, and then there you go. Now it's gone. So <laughs> Stick it up your nose. That's right. Uh, this fourth-generation trimmer on the lawnmower, the first product I got for them, features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And I have to say, if you're using their product, you're probably using it in places that the sun don't shine, and you're thinking to yourself, I do not want to use a product where I might get hurt. This product leaves you feeling confident, and I can assure you, that you can go with confidence there. 7,000 RPMs. It sounds a little scary. It is waterproof. Has a travel lock. <laughs> it's pretty cool. High technology. Again, the weed whacker. And then finally, just to close out, guys, Manscaped has cologne now, if you didn't know. Cologne. And this stuff has been great. I wore it on a date the other day, and my wife says, wow, it smells like you have been freshly Manscaped. And I said, I have. <laughs> so um that is our love to manscape go check them out nick and matt 20 percent off everybody mm -hmm. all right so let's see here we made it to this portion where i'm going to try to include evan Mattio, luke humphreys this is oh luke and matt I, let me see here. i'm gonna have to adjust which which one i have up here hold on i can do that too um wow we do i have got a lot going on here here let me let me get it fixed do, 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 do. Maybe not. Uh, okay, you, you guys are good for right now. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to transition into a game that we just started called. Um, what is it called? Stat or Fiction. All right. Stat or Fiction. And the way this goes, Evan gives us what could be a stat but it could also be fiction. We have to play this game, and we're going to do it with all four of us here because Evan's going to host it. Stat Mando, everybody. Um, and we have to guess if it's stat or fiction. So, Evan, go ahead and give us the first stat or fiction, whatever it is. Give us the statement. All right. Well, I wasn't expecting two touring guys on here, so they might have a little <laughs> bit of an advantage. So if you guys know the answer, uh, let Nick and Matt get, get Oh, wrong. oh, oh. Uh, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> all right. So question one, uh, this was Stafford opens first year as a silver series. That, that is true. Uh, that's not the question. Um, <laughs> but the challenge at goat Hill was the only silver series event to happen in both 2020, 2020 and 2021 as a silver series. Okay. Say it one more time. Repeat that statement. The challenge at goat Hill was the only silver series event to happen in both 2020 and 2021 as a silver series event. Uh, we guess. Okay, so yeah, I'm gonna let you guys go first. Actually, yeah, Maddie O, go for it. I don't remember seeing no coverage on Go Hill or hearing about much. I'm gonna say fiction. Okay, that by the way, that was your first first audible thing, really, on the Nick and Matt show. We'll introduce you later, but that was Maddie O, everybody. <laughs> oh, well, hey Luke, too, man. Yeah, hey. my <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Hey Luke, do you got do you have an idea yet, or you want us to go? I think the Mid-America happened both years, and I think it was the Silver Series both years. So I'm going to say false. Fiction, right. Um, Nick, I'm going to jump in before you and let you have the last word. I'm saying fiction, and 
I feel like the vintage classic was also a repeat, but maybe I'm not correct with that um, as a silver series. But I don't know. Either way, I'm saying fiction. That was just my take on it. Nick, yeah. you can wrap it up. I'm just going to go devil's advocate and go with a stat because if I'm right, then all you guys are wrong and that would make me laugh. So I'm going to go with that. I scamble. All right, Evan. Was that fact or fiction? Was that a stat or fiction? It was indeed fiction. Uh, Luke had it absolutely right. Mid-America happened in both years. Uh, they were the only oh. two to happen in both years. Uh, Matt, you said uh, <sighs> the vintage, which I think might have tried to be a silver series in 2020, but a few got canceled because of uh, the COVID shutdown. So, uh, mm. yeah, all three of you getting points on that one. So, <laughs> so go- okay, three yeah. points. Going up. And then Nick's sound effect. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Evan, what do you got for us? Uh, Number two, uh, Ezra Aderhold has played the most Disc Golf Pro Tour Silver Series events with nine. That, again, is a true fact and not the question. Getting into it, (laughs) he has never finished in the top five in a Silver Series event. Whoa, 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 whoa. Never finished in the top five in a Silver Series event. <sighs> if that's a stat, that's just mean that we're even bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to rotate yeah. this here. We'll have um, Luke, if you want to go first, I'll go second. Matteo goes last. Dude, I'm just, I, faith in my boy Ezra says that's false, man. That's fiction. He has the beast dude so i'm saying okay i'm next <laughs> i'm next and i'm i'm stuttering here because i'm thinking to myself how that plays out and it's hard to believe that he wouldn't but at the same time that's not as much pressure like it's not as big of a platform he feels like he has to step on so it, like it might be that factor where he's just i don't know uh but out of nine I feel like he has. So I guess I'm saying that's fiction too. I'm rolling with it. Out of nine events, he's got the most. That's what you said, Evan. So, all right, Nick, you're up. I think Evan's trying to be a savage right now. So (laughs) I'm going to go with, it's a stat. He just wants to roast Ezra and it's just a stat. All right. What'd you got, Matt? I'm not going to say a roast here, but uh, (laughs) I played for the first time in Peoria at uh, Ledgestone last, and I actually stalked him. And I'm going to say it's a fact. Okay, mm-hmm. so Nick and Matt, Matty O, not me. <laughs> oh, I'm not talking about myself, obviously. All right, so what do you got there, Evan? That is indeed I'm a not, stat. A- I'm sorry, Ezra. I, didn't, I don't mean to roast you. I thought it was cool how he has played the most Silver Series events, although he didn't play staff for this weekend. Yeah. So that yep. is a yep. point for Nick and a second point for Matty O. And then the sound effect for Luke and me. <laughs> All right. All right. Question number three, Matt, you won the Stafford Open by 11 strokes. This is the largest margin of victory ever in a Silver Series event, MPO or FPO. And that is our statement. That is the question. Okay, okay. The statement is that Uh, Matt won. Okay, so now the statement is that he won by... 11 strokes. And that's the most ever. The question is, or I guess the the stat or fiction is, this is the largest margin of victory in a Silver Series event. Um... Oh, you want to go first, Matt? You, yeah, you got the floor. Go for it. I'm going to go match Adamus. I'm going to say fall, uh, it's false. I'm going to say a female pro open woman was won by more. Is this uh, concluded? Is MPO or 
Do you want to give us that insight? Oh, no, I said it's e- it's either MPO or FBO. Oh, so it's across all divisions. Yep. Okay. Get me. I'm going to stick to my my heart and say that it's false and it's been a, a female pro. Just call out who it would be if it was a female. Well, I mean, you have to go at Paige Pierce. I'm just wondering. <laughs> so I'll go I mean, next. Just, yeah. I mean, yeah. just being honest. You I know? agree. I agree. Seem like sound stats. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just trying to remember... Page hasn't played a lot this year of those, and Silver Series is pretty new. Yeah. So when it came out, did she do that? Um, man, I, I'm gonna, I'm just playing the other side of it. I'm gonna say no, she did not. I mean, not. So I guess what I'm ultimately saying is that is the largest margin of victory. That is a stat. That's what I'm saying. All right, Nick, you're up. I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna say it's a stat. I bet you Page has won them by. A number of strokes, and I wouldn't be surprised if it actually is fiction that she actually has the most. But I'm going to go with the stat: Matt has won the most with 11 strokes. All right, Luke, you're wrapping it up. Stat: That was an ass whooping. <laughs> All right, so Evan, <laughs> yes, it was. Evan, give it to us. That is fiction. Oh, there was an FPO player who won by more strokes than 11, but it was not Paige Pierce, and I don't think it's someone you would guess right away. It happened earlier this year at the Resistance Disc Open. Deanne Carey won by 15 strokes. Well, you don't have to be right with your stats. You just got to be right with fact or fiction here. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, Holy cow. I mean, I watched SportsCenter every night of my life until I was 24. So, (laughs) (laughs) he's the self proclaimed Adam Schefter of disc golf. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. So, that, my friends, and I, I have to say it every time, Evan. I almost have to say every time how this came to be this segment. Oh, gosh. Okay. I yeah. think it was something along the lines of Stat Mando came on, Evan Kearns here, and on the show, he said, Hey, this is a crazy stat. And Nick's going, Yeah, it's absolutely the craziest stat ever. Like yeah. Paul Macbeth made like a hundred grand in six showing appearances at Leadstone. And I'm like, A hundred grand? And I'm like, there's no way you make that at six showings at Ledgestone. And and then they're like, oops, that might be off a few zeros or something. And I'm like, all right, we got to do a whole segment like this. So, All right. We have made it to this point where we're going to say adios to Luke. Well, you can stay there. You can stay there. But we're going to bring up Matty O full screen here. And we're going to get to know him a little bit. We're <laughs> Matty pushes him off screen. <laughs> we're uh, All right. Let's transition here, everybody, out of stat or fiction all right everybody just like that nick what did you think about that music compared to this like whistling little all all i know is that (laughs) when i come to massachusetts next week that we will be going through all of the music together to figure out which one fits best in which segment. Come on, man. So some of this stuff's pretty good. How about this one? That's a good that's a good outro one. All right. an outro with that. All right. They've all got they've all got their place. Let's not delay this any further. Um, and actually a little bit ahead of schedule. We did pretty good here. It was awesome to get to know Luke. Um I honestly feel like he's a guy you could sit and have on the show for like two hours and maybe yeah. we can schedule Definitely it. someone you could literally just talk about the actual topics going on in disc golf rather than the interview style of like, Hey, how are you? Get to know you. 
yeah, I look forward to, I think we have to reschedule Luke for another showing at some point, maybe in studio. We'll have to talk about that. There's a lot going on in VP week, but, and he, he already said it's hard enough to keep his game up as is. Yeah, right. We don't need to add anything else. So, all right, without further ado, let's welcome in officially to the show for the first time ever. And we've been trying for weeks, but we got him, <laughs> Matt Orham also known as Matty O. What do most people call you, Matt? Um, I really don't care. People call me Matty O, Matt O, Matt. Not nobody calls me Matthew, really, unless I'm in trouble. Like, Barsby calls me Matthew. My mom calls me Matthew when I'm in trouble. So what? that's about it. <laughs> we, nice. we yeah, share th- up as that's what my check says. So I want to, my ID says, so when I cash my check, I want to say my name. So I want to mm-hmm. be we share the same name. We share the same name. So I feel you. I'm like, not nobody calls me Matthew. I think my wife did once and I looked at her real like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah. It doesn't bother me though. I just kind of like, oh, something's up if they call me Matthew though. You know? Yeah. It's like, oh wait, are we in a serious conversation now? So yeah, Matthew, you well, I, like, you know. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll get right into it. And Luke actually just said it a few minutes ago. You gave everyone an ass kicking out at Stafford. And just talk to us. What was your mindset going into the event? What was your mindset during the event? And yeah, just give us the details about everything. My mindset, honestly, I, I, lately I've been going in with no expectations because sounds weird because, but it's just so hard to place a number. I feel like disc golf such a momentum game. You just got to go out there and start, find your rhythm, find your momentum. So I go with no expectations at all because I never know what can happen on the plan of what's in my mind versus reality never sets standards of what it, it never it never equalizes what you in your head so there's no reason to put any uh emphasis on what's going to happen or what i'm trying to place myself at but i'll just try to stay happy i literally pulled in the course and i knew i was going to win the tournament i'm not trying to be cocky or nothing on tuesday but i rode down the course and it was like past the field and i was like oh man this place is going to be horrible because it was like one minute away and i was going through like the farm field next to it and then I pulled in and I was like, oh man, I love this place. I think I'm, I had good vibes there. I loved all the locals. I got roasted on Facebook because I put, I love New Jersey and everybody thought I was crazy. <laughs> but, and I gave it up for a week. I had to get back on though. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a good time though. I just had fun. I just tried to do my own thing. Trying to just, uh, trying to be as casual as possible. Just, uh, Test my skills and whatever I set myself at the end, that's where I'm going to be at. And mm-hmm. that's all I can do. Okay. So you've been playing. Uh, I was trying to hear, but that's kind of what I've really been going for. No, that's great. Oh, absolutely. That's great. I think we need to let you, and just because maybe our audience doesn't know, let you give a introduction to your disc golf history because a lot of stuff gets thrown around in the disc golf world of like, Oh, he doesn't play very many PDGA. He'd be a lot more winning if if that was in the stats. And Stat Mando has compiled some of this. But also, like, how how long ago did you start playing disc golf? Were you a kid? How like what does your disc golf history look like up to this point? As much as you want to tell us, or as little? I try to get it as cliff notes. Uh, started because my dad started the. He used to run tournaments back in the um, everywhere on the Gulf Coast in the Mississippi, Memphis. And pretty much everywhere in the like deep south, dirty south area, I guess you would say. He ran not Texas, but everything else like Florida, Georgia, Southern, not Atlanta, Alabama, Mississippi, Memphis, and Louisiana for sure. 
And uh, he used to go to tournaments to run tournaments all the time. And I just started back throwing a cyclone. I remember he used to yell at me because I used to hit the pop-up all the time. I'd be like, all right, I stuck with baseball. Plus, he was like, I mean, back then, it was kind of a hippie sport. My dad didn't. He was really clean, nice guy. And uh, he didn't want me being around all the older folks, I guess you would say. And uh, he waited till I had a chance to play, and he told me if I ever cheated or did anything wrong, I would never go out in the course until I was 18 years old when I can afford to pay my own entry fee. And uh, so I stuck humbly and just played the right way all the way. And uh, But I started when I was 11, which was 1999. Me and my little brother started playing at the same time, and nobody would play with us. We played by ourselves most of the time unless I played with my father. Mm-hmm. Actually, I didn't play with many people. Nobody wanted to play with me until I was second in the world. <laughs> when, when did you? When did you care, but I'm telling the truth. Yep. When did you? Uh, when did you achieve that second in the world? When was that? It was actually like 15, 20 miles from here, where I'm at in Quakertown, Pennsylvania. Now, uh, 2005, which was about the craziest month of my life because I got second at Worlds. I went to my final year of high school right when I got home. And then Katrina, Hurricane Katrina hit the following week. That was pretty intense. Week, pretty intense month, life-changing month. I wonder yeah, if absolutely. I so wonder said, if yeah. So you said going into that event, you were just getting in pretty much to your senior year of high school? Yeah, I was 17. I went on the road trip, uh, road tour with a guy named Mike Worm Young, old school disc golfer from Mobile, and a guy named Eric Tracy who's one of my best friends still to this day, somehow, even though I love him to death. And they still love each other. But we all went on the tour, and it was a good old time. And that was just my peaking moment. I played. I won the Pittsburgh Flying Open, my second A-tier ever at the point, the week before, and then played, I don't know, that was my first ever Pro World Championships. And uh, I beat Ken Climo, and I know that was like still the stat of my life was that tournament. Which is the fact yeah. that because he was my my idol, honestly, until that point, like he's still my hero, mm-hmm. technically. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, I don't want to get like too deep if that's not where you want to go, but I noticed you said like nobody really cared to play with you or whatever. <laughs> Meaning, like you know, you weren't a name, if you will, in the disc golf world until maybe you got second place. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you? Is that actually something that you did feel prior to that? Like, hey, like I'm good, but like nobody wants to play with me. Not really want to play with me, but my dad ran all the tournaments, so they just like they did their own things and stuff, whatever. But me and my little brother, and every now and then I'd get the my older brother and my dad, and like maybe some guys I still are my friends now, like a John Fox and like Wild Bill Tyler or something would let me play in their group, like a guy named Rivers. Let me and my little brother play every now and then, but literally I kind of stuck to myself and my because it was just uh, I don't know, I was just a young kid, yeah, you know, kind of an adult game. I just had to. I never really got to practice much. I learned everything pretty much in the backyard. I got to play once a week at Chickas Abode. And my dad mm-hmm. ran a house there. So Well, that was gonna be I'm my nice. follow-up. It was how did you get so good? Because I, I you, you're really good. And just fundamentals, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I used to put a lot. I used to put all the time at night, got bit up by mosquitoes, stepped in ant beds. I didn't even know we were there in my backyard mobile. That usually called the night. <laughs> <laughs> now, what are your, you just won this last event. You're touring. I was actually just looking at your PGA page. You were playing a lot of the rest of the elite series events going on throughout the year. What are, 
your goals kind of for the rest of the year. I know you said you didn't really come in with any expectations, but let's say goals for the rest of the year. And then is this something where next year we're going to see you at pretty much every single Elite Series events? Well, honestly, my main goal in my whole life is to win a major. So my USCGC would be number one. Everything else, I mean, I'm trying to win them, but nothing really matters to me. But the majors, like, technically to the standards of what I want for my career. Honestly, I do want to win a tournament and all that. But, I mean, honestly, the USCGC is definitely number one priority. And that's mm – -hmm. I don't think I'm in – the match play, because I didn't play no DGPTs earlier this year, if I got that right, DGPT. My mind just made that up. Yep. Uh, and um, I'm still on the cusp of making the Pro Tour finals because of that. But let's mm -hmm. be determined. But I'm all about the USEC. That's one of my lifeline goals is to win a major. And I definitely don't want to have to wait till I'm a master to do it. So. <laughs> and so you've it's, it's on your schedule. So that means you at some point this year you have – qualified for the USDGC once again. And uh, do you just like that course? What what about USDGC makes you that the tournament that you really want to win? Maybe besides for the world championships. Yeah, that's what I'll say, because Worlds is already over probably. But mm -hmm. just because it's just the prestige. We only have two majors. I think that's something I wish we had more was two more majors. I mean, obviously, I think I'm a like Luke. I'm a very ball golf person. I really believe that we should kind of be 50-50 ball. Like, I don't, we honestly use as many rules that adapt to disc golf as possible with the physics. Like, obviously we can't drop a ball for a lie and stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. but I like the rules. Like I like the trying to make it as like, well, I like the rules of ball golf and I like, that's what we came went for and that's what we modified. So, but, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know. Uh, have you, the, yeah. Have you heard like about the third yeah, I'm sure you've mm -hmm. heard of it. The, I think it's called the Champions Cup. It's the new edition, the new major. It's got that interesting format where it goes to a match play thing. That sounds interesting, but obviously it doesn't have the same status right out of the gate. Um, but that is a that is a major. And then also, obviously, if it comes back, the European Open um, would be. Have you traveled over to Europe to play yeah. disc golf before? Uh, I haven't. I've always wanted to, especially because I met up. Uh, Seppo and me got went on tour with Kevin a couple years ago, and me and Seppo became really good friends. So I would really want to. Uh, he said, if I ever go to Europe, I'm taking care of. And I'm gonna, I really want to make that true, because I really want to go up there. Because mm -hmm. Europe's like an amazing place, and I like tree golf, and it looks like a lot of good tree golf. And I don't know. I kind of. I think it'd be my kind of thing. Mm -hmm. no, absolutely. I think I could adapt with the foreign folk. So you're saying that uh, you do like the rules of golf and you do kind of want disc golf to transition more into those styles. Like what are some changes in disc golf that you would like to make? If you were to say in the 2022 season, these are the changes that I want to happen. What would you want? Uh, a lot of people hate me on tour because I say this, but I want to play four rounds. And honestly, I think, or if we played three rounds, I wouldn't mind playing extra holes, uh, like instead of just always being to 18 holes, why can't we play 24 holes or something? Because I feel like, honestly, in my opinion, I don't, you know, I think 18 holes of disc golf doesn't equal 18 holes of ball golf. I think more like 21 to 25 equals about a round of ball golf. Mm -hmm. Unless you play Northwoods Black, that, that was an 18-hole <laughs> round course, personally. But, like, a lot of these courses, I feel like, man, like, 
the scores are real tight in some of these rounds, and I'm just like, man, I just think we're not golfing enough, honestly. And people are probably gonna hate me because I said that on tour, but I think I'm pretty, I think I'm right because, I mean, I just feel like some of the holes like Jonesboro, not trying to knock it, for example. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like six of the holes, everybody gets the same score on, and then we're playing a 12-hole, three-round tournament. Yeah, you know. So looking at one of the other courses is just like there's not enough scoring scoring separation going on in disc golf at the three moment. Round tournament with a three-round tournament going yeah, on, yeah. I just kind of yep. feel like there should be another round. Especially, I've kind of suggested that maybe if there's a week off, we could do four weeks the next week. But if there's back-to-back weeks, maybe stick it to three for the players' health. Yep. Because I ain't gonna lie, like I play preserve and uh, Leadstone and Idlewild, and I felt it. Like it's pretty grind out there now, ripping, and I'm not. I'm 33 now, so I can tell. Like you have to, you kind of got to, you got to really be in shape now to be a professional disc golfer. You can't just, you know, throw rollers and get away or whatever. You know what I'm saying? No yeah. more. No. No, so definitely with the amount of tournaments that's been happening, because it was a stretch where there was four in a row. Then there was a week off, I think, and then like a silver series or just all in a row. So people going out on that ground. Yeah, I get what you're saying is a couple of events, maybe do the three rounders. But I do think a majority, I agree with you that I think that some of the elite series events should, for the most part, all be four round events and spread them out a little bit more. So you're not doing four events in four weeks with four round tournaments. Um, I do think they should be spread out a little bit more, but I do like it where say a silver series that you guys just played, maybe make that a three round event. But then when you go to Delaware or Maple Hill coming up, make that a four round event. And then what's your take on like a cut line? Oh yeah. I think we should start playing. Uh, that's another reason is playing four rounds. We could honestly think we need to go into the ways of ball golf. Like I think the first round and second round, we should play in the same pairing. And whatever your tee time is, it should be flip-flopped in the morning. And then we find the cut line. That way we we can be able to play all these rounds with the weather because you got the, you know, a lot of times we have the women playing with us. So that makes it harder to finish the whole day in these events, you know, like trying to get them all scheduled and all that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, I kind of wish that in the future, this is the thing I've been talking about. I think I wish that everybody, everybody's getting scores getting good. I want to – uh possibly see a disc uh, a disc limit in your bag like what if we get break down a disc limit to 15 around so you got to strategically pick your disc for every course so like at the uscgc you got to kind of risk what disc you want to put in your bag for backups if you lose one and all that kind of like ball golf you know mm-hmm. where because everybody's getting so good i think it would make you have to bring out a little more natural skills and some of your di- and your disc choice really means something because uh, on YouTube, everybody makes such a big emphasis on your disc selection. So why don't we go ahead and make it to where you really have to decide what disc you want to bring to the course on some courses, you know, and make it a strategically played, you know, I think that'd be something that I would be interested in seeing too. Yeah. I've heard, um, I forget who it was. It might've been Drew Gibson. Somebody said at one point, they're like, hey, why don't we consider even like limiting the speed of a disc you can have in your bag? Go bring it back to like, all right, you can only throw like a speed eight, nine or ten, you know, like max. Uh, you, What's the strongest part of your game, Maddie? Um, like you're out there. We, we kind of see stuff. But what do you feel like is the strongest part of your game? Uh, I think my accuracy is probably my best stat. My putting when it's not really windy is really good. And uh, I'm really good at all the uh, scrambling. I feel like I'm an underrated scrambler. I mm-hmm. grew up in Chickasaw Park and kind of chilled with the woods. So I've been scrambling my whole life, even 
so uh, I call it my Phil Mickelson, and and I'm pretty. I think I'm better than people think I am at it. Well, I will say from my perspective, you are a very at least from again from my perspective, you're a very underrated player. I think you're. What are we even at? If I know not everyone cares about PDGA, do we know what UDISC world rankings are right now? Do you know what your number is there? I think I came up at number nine finally from my first. I think maybe if I might be, I I'm not really the social media savvy or nothing, but I might be the Adam Scheffner disc golf, but I'm not the social media savvy, <laughs> you know. But yeah. um, my guy's top five. My guy's top five. That's what I'm saying. That's what he's proven. You know, he hasn't been out here the whole time, gotten into a full mm-hmm. them, but he's smashed a couple tournaments. I consider myself, honestly, right now, about the 11th, 9th to 11th best discover. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what you consider yourself, but I, I like what, you know, Luke chiming in there, saying it for you. I feel like, and maybe it's based off of, you did kind of miss the portion, not not all of it, but you missed a portion of the front half of the season. I feel like, man, we would have seen you come out yeah, we would have seen you come out performing kind of the way you are now. If that was the case, everybody would be putting you up there at least that top five. And I think that's what Luke was saying. I'm I'm in that same boat uh, with how I feel. Um, so was I incorrect in hearing that maybe it was just literally you missed signing up for some of those events and couldn't get in? No, the West Coast, I definitely knew I wasn't going to do this okay. year. It's just so expensive, honestly, to go out there. It's kind of a... You know, for me, being in Mobile, it takes either 2,500 miles for me to drive out there, blah, 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 or I can fly out there and depend on people, you know, have to do all that way, which a lot of people have vans, and a lot of the people that are my friends have vans, so it was just, just kind of complicated in my head, honestly, and I just just I figured I'd play in the trees and not, I know there's where a lot of the open course, except for De La Viega, it's to stay in Santa Cruz. I lived there probably like eight months of my life with a good friend of mine, Miles Harding, who lives there. And uh, I love De La Viega. So, but I, that's the only one I really wanted to play. Just being mm-hmm. personally honest, unless it was Beaver State. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a tough part with the West Coast Swings. We did see a lot of golf courses being played out there when it came to uh, Portland Open, OTB Open, and then obviously Vegas happens on three different go- or a golf course, and it's three different disc golf courses. And so, kind of on that note, are you enjoying more when it's woods golf? Because I'm kind of looking at your stats. You have some great finishes like Preserve, and then um, let's see, Preserve, and then looking at Stafford Open, you just won it, and then Ledgestone, uh, an open slash wooded course when you go over to Northwoods, but then Idlewild, 18th place there. What do you prefer, the woods golf or the open golf? Definitely prefer woods, but I like open too. I, I just don't like when it comes Spike Heiser Fest. That's kind of when I get out of it. Like Memorial's not my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. personal. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting a per. That's my personal thing. That's just me. <laughs> but I feel like everybody in the world can throw a Spike Heiser and it becomes a putting competition. And I know that's not fun to me. Yeah. That's uh, just me. But I like woods, so I like woods. Yeah. So you got Nothing this. Wrong with that. Yeah. We call it the East Coast Swing, right? And you get some more wooded course styles. And you're coming, I'm assuming, I didn't look at the registration up to MVP at Maple Hill. Um, I've almost convinced him. Okay. 
Yeah, that's kind of a. I'm gonna keep that on the DL for now. Well, I'm the on that, but it's probability 50 50. Okay. I'm gonna go into the background details on that one at all. All but, right. Yes. Yeah, that's fine. That's so, fine. Right now, are you in your life? Are you focused solely on disc golf and playing in the local area wherever you are at the moment, or are you working another job part time where you have to take time off and stuff like that? I'm doing disc golf right now for sure, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, I really want to become like a Kelavisca. That's kind of my my role model right now, is becoming kind of the niche of what he's doing. I want to become a tournament director like my father, play tournaments, and become a course designer. Have an equal balance not only for my career but my mind because competing every week against these young whippersnappers ain't easy on the mind and having to do it grind every week ain't that easy mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you figure what do you feel like is the most or what's the hardest part about competing week in and week out on the tour uh <laughs> uh <laughs> The money, like honestly, having to play and make putts for the live and keep going, like you literally could put in your career. Like, you know, we don't have, let me put this in words. Like, you, you're out there grinding, like it's like a momentum game. So you got to just keep your momentum and just keep fighting. So every week is different. So, like, every week you're really basing, like, if you put everything in disc golf, it makes it really stressful. That's what I'm saying. And that way is the hard way. And people that do it only that way, I do this tough that way so that's all i can just about it. just for fun because we got evan kearns of stat mando in studio and he created this nice little spreadsheet for us you made twelve dollars and ninety cents for every throw you did this weekend that's not bad that's two thousand yeah twelve dollars and ninety per throw two thousand dollar take home Evan is I think you listed it out is that one of his highest or his highest payout no it can't be his highest uh definitely not his highest uh you had listed out because I think you went and found. Um, yeah, his highest was earlier this year at Texas State's. Uh, minimum wage. Sorry, my girlfriend will like that. Per throw, <laughs> per throw. That's not per hour. <laughs> oh, just per throw. Twelve dollars yeah, and ninety cents every for every throw. throw. Yeah, not bad. Don't get them thought. Don't get them numbers in my head. <laughs> Saving don't like that, that poison. We'll call that rat poison. How about that? <laughs> What is this? Um, yeah, I've heard about Saban a few times this weekend and some other quotes. You have been very quotable at these events. I don't want to say lately, but that's when I've recognized them more. People are loving your personality. Have you experienced this throughout your whole life where people are like, oh, dude, you're like really likable. We all want to be around you. Or is this something that the more you get further in disc golf that, you know, you've noticed more and more and more? Well, everybody used to like me at the bar, but I don't go to the bar no more. So maybe all the people at the disc golf course like me. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I just try to be myself. And uh, I've done a lot of observing. I watched the last dance a lot. I've just done a lot of athlete uh, observing, honestly, during COVID. Went through a tough time. I lost my father at the beginning of COVID. We didn't, the disc golf tour got canceled. Honestly, I didn't think it was going to be coming back that quick. So I. I went, I'm going to just, I went and I just started when I went back to knowing that disc golf came back. I remember I saw Kevin Jones cause that was my boy and I went toward with him. I saw him play and he came back strong after COVID and watched him play in a couple of events. Cause honestly, I don't watch the events unless my boys are in them. I love everybody on tour, but like if Barsby's in it or Kevin Jones, I'll watch it, mm-hmm. you know, or if there's like everybody in it, but I kind of just, that's kind of what intrigues me. 
you know, seeing my buddy buddies in there, you know, because I've watched this, them all play. But, um, yeah, that's what got me back into it when I started seeing them play. And I was like, okay, this is going back. And I saw the hype. And then I saw the numbers. I went to New Orleans. They only used to have 15 people at their league. And I know all the locals. And I, they had over 100 people there. And I, like, I played with, like, a lawyer, a foreign exchange student, the local drunk. Like, I mean, it was, like, all kind of culture of disc golf that brought since COVID. And I thought it was awesome. Like, I was like, man, this is – I can see the game changing there. That's when I knew I saw the game changing. I wanted to dedicate myself to be back here. Mm-hmm. And with the game changing and with the explosion slash expansion of what COVID did for the sport – we are starting to see more money get involved in the sport. Payouts have been the biggest that payouts have ever been starting this year. And the next year, I can only imagine that they're going to be greater. And so for players who are able to compete at these events, I think more of a comfortable living is going to be in the near future for just a deeper amount of people. For sure. I can definitely can see the inspiration and that going up. I can definitely tell it's going to go up in the future and it just helps young kids want to go out there because I can actually believe they can go out there and the parents will actually help, you know, I'll agree yeah. with it and all that. Like, and I and I think with this year, this has been a year of parody. Matt and I have talked this about this a ton on the show. Is that it's hard to pick a winner week in and week out for these tournaments because there have been multiple winners throughout the year. And so I think I'm finally starting to see disc manufacturer, which are people's biggest sponsors, start to see the value in their players a little bit more than they have in the years past. And which is obviously a great thing, getting more players out in the road, more notable names, uh, just being able to get out there. See that for sure. Um, so I just want to say again, you're a very likable personality. We're seeing the chat go on and on about that. I appreciated one of my favorites was I think it was after preserve or you showed up to preserve and you're like, hey, like if I, I didn't know I was gonna be on like a feature card the first day, like maybe I should have got a hotel. That was kind of funny to me. And then the second one was like Second one was like, if I win this, like I'm getting a raft and I'm floating down wherever to the next tournament. That was a good one too. River, I'd have probably caught the like probably the Illinois River or something there. <laughs> I probably would have made it a little bit, but then I thought about sleeping on the banks of the Mississippi and <laughs> St. Paul, and I probably would have backed out and called a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, See, it's kind of spooky there on the on the banks there. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I have- actually, I actually got to walk across the Mississippi in the course right there, hole twelve, with uh, you just Dan and some uh, some folks, and uh, it was super cool because in New Orleans, if you walk out in the Mississippi like two feet, you're dead. So, <laughs> you know, I got to walk across the river. So that's very cool. I have one. I have two things to say. But one closeout is. What do you do besides disc golf? And I don't necessarily mean work unless that's like your favorite thing outside of disc golf. But like, do you have uh, Luke said, you know, rock hounding. Um, he does the skins match thing. I think he enjoys that. What What is something that you enjoy doing outside of disc golf? Maybe as a hobby. Um, I like saltwater fishing, like brackish water fishing, like poor man fishing, like off the bank because I ain't got a boat yet. But, uh, like, fishing on Dolphin Island, like the Gulf of Mexico lifestyle, I love beach life. Uh, I like city life, honestly. I'm, like, kind of a city folk. Even though I'm from Alabama, I'm from Mobile, and I grew up in the middle of the city. And I like urban life. And um, I like to uh, I like to go out and listen to music. I love my music. 
especially guitar guitar people if you can't play guitar i probably don't like your band (laughs) and i don't know i just like going with the flow i'll do about anything very cool (laughs) so the chat just made a, a great point and i'll give you the opportunity it's on the spot but if you have a story of a crazy disc golf he said ask for the wildest disc golf story if there's anything that just goes yes i know that story and i can share it if not just be like nah i don't have anything and i have one more follow-up for you well, how about let me ask Barsby if I can tell the story first, and then the next time we okay. get on here, we'll do it. Okay, so Sounds it involves good. Barsby. We'll hold I you like to it. it. Okay. <laughs> um, Barsby right. was down here before this was a studio where I am. He was down here climbing because I was just moving in. He was climbing over all my stuff, looking in my box of discs. I think I gave him like this. This was before he's back with Innova. Gave him one of these really nice limited edition comments. Good time with Barsby. We like the guy too. Um, and I want to close out saying this. You said you didn't want to get into it. We're not going to make you get into it. But if you need a place and you decide to come to Maple Hill, you don't need to sleep in your van. I have a place for you. So the invitation is there. It, it might be part of the studio, but you have a place. We are really glad to have you on. Do you want to give any shout outs or anything we missed asking you about tonight? I just want to give a shout out to Prodigy Disc and uh, everybody down the Gulf Coast, Florida Panhandle, Mobile, Mississippi, Louisiana. They know who they are. People like Luke who keep me uh, happy on tour and just my friends and uh, everybody that loves disc golf and y'all. And cool. y'all. Well, we really appreciate, <laughs> appreciate Really it. appreciate you coming on the show. We, we hope to get you see, uh, we hope to see you at MVP Open. Yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and I might stay and Nick Saban, last but not least, shout out. You know, he's my mm-hmm. guy. Dude. I got a little something too, if y'all don't mind. No, go, go for it. Go for it. I just got to shout out my girl, my doubles partner, Hannah Blumers, on her insane run over in Finland. I heard you guys talking about it beforehand, mm-hmm. but that's incredible to take down the European Championships and the Finnish Championships back to back like that. Uh, and then Nicholas Antila, and then my dude, our dude, Vino, taking out. I know that's my boy absolutely nah shout out to them that was definitely it was fun to watch all the scores especially in the MPO division it was a tight race I think two people right in second place just by one stroke so not like what Mighty O was doing out in Stafford Open but definitely fun to watch that was for my buddy love you man miss you I want to see you in America soon Mm -hmm. awesome so Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for reaching out to us and get, or I should say, getting back to us about coming on the show. We definitely ha- hope to have you both on soon. And um, like Matt said earlier, we'll have to talk with GK, maybe get some Nick and Matt show sponsorships going in the GK skins. <laughs> I think that'd be awesome. Let's go, boys. Go. Cool. All, All right, right we'll guys, guys. Have a great Roll time. Roll. Roll. <laughs> that was awesome. Roll time, baby. All right, everybody. That was right. Luke Humphreys and Matty O. Um, I, a lot stood out to me about both of those where we could actually take a little bit of time to unpack that. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, I don't want to, I haven't rated every guest we've had on, so I can't really officially diss anybody, but these are very high up there. Both of these were excellent mm-hmm. uh, guests. I am so glad they came yeah. on. Um, Maddie O, let's, let's jump right into this. I kind of put them on the spot, you know, your world ranking, right? And that's kind of like, I kind of wanted to see if he knows where he's at, which most players probably do. But he said he thinks he's top 10. And and as far as U-Disc world rankings, he's top nine. Uh, Mm There is an also, there's another, there's other ranking systems out there. And one of them being DG rankings. You can check it out.com. It's interesting. It has him at 
eighth, eighth. Okay, and okay. Let's talk about the numbers or the people over him and see if we think he's in the right spot. Just for banter here, and and Evan, you can mm-hmm. definitely be a part of this conversation. All right. The stat guy. Um, so I'm gonna start saying names, starting with number one in this ranking system. And if you feel like Matteo is at least as good, that's where we're going to have that conversation. So let's, this is going to be tough. And Maddie, if you're listening, I'm sorry, you can't be a part of this because we're going to debate your performance now. All right. Yeah, yeah. Ricky Wysocki. Is Ricky above as far as performance than Matteo? Yes. Okay. Is that the same, Evan? Feel oh, similar? Yes. Yeah, okay. Sorry, but definitely. That's okay. Eagle McMahon. Oh, whoa, definitely. Whoa, savage over there, Evan. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's Ricky Wayasaki. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. I know. Um, Eagle McMahon. Yes. Oops, I yes. put up Matty O's screen again. My bad. Uh, Eagle McMahon, yes. Paul Macbeth. Yes. 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 Calvin Heimberg. What do you think? Yes. Okay. Chris Dickerson. I was just about to say. Paul Macbeth was actually here for about 30 seconds. He brought me a water. So how kind of him. That is nice. We could put him on the spot. Um, yeah. No, he, he, I think he's gone now. Okay. Unless he's just hiding in the dark. <laughs> oh, no. He's actually here. He's actually here. Maybe he'll come over. Oh, boy. Yeah, come over. Uh-oh. So, Matt. I mean, uh, excuse me. Oh, Matt. Uh, Paul Macbeth is actually going to come on for about 45 seconds if he wants. And uh, I'll let you guys debate. Let me see if I'll actually unplug this and... Actually, no, I'll be, we'll be able to hear it. Yeah. All right. Go so ahead and talk, Matt. Sometimes these things happen mid-show where Paul Macbeth enters the studio sometimes. What I'm going to do is just put it on their camera, and I'm not going to be on camera, which nobody's going to care about, but I'm going to put them on camera full screen. And, and here's where we're at. So, Paul, you can hear us? Mm-hmm. Okay. This was the conversation we just had with Matteo. We asked him if he knew where he was, UDISC World Rankings. He said he thinks he's ninth. He, I said he's a under, underrated, in my opinion, performer. And Luke Humphreys felt the same. We put him in our minds like six or seven. Now, I know it's weird to kind of rate your own peers, but we're going down this list of rankings that we have. Um, and we're just saying some names. Do you think, in your opinion, you don't have to give us names. Do you think Maddie Orham is better than ninth right now in the world? Looking at this list... Um, I would say, I feel like it's very recent accomplishments, you know, like of this list career wise, I think he's higher than nine, but, um, yeah, Kyle is the only one that seems maybe out of place, but I mean, he's been performing really well and he just won a pro tour. So I think that's why he's so high. So no, I think he's, I think he's top 10 for sure. And I would, I would definitely put him. Yeah, I think what Paul was saying, like that. that, I I don't think I would move him much higher than eight or nine right now, though. I was going to say, the only thing that I would do is maybe flip-flop between James and Matt. I mean, it's hard to say, though. James won the world. Yes, exactly. And so that's that's just the recency bias talking about where we hear Matteo's name more. Yeah. Yeah. I want to look at. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, everyone wants to say something. Evan has something to say. Stat Mando, Evan. Well, Matt Oram versus James Conrad head-to-head since the start of 2020. Matt Oram is eight and one. Okay. The only, only one for James being the big one, the 2021 world championship. Yeah. Okay. But Matt hasn't, but how I, I, I get it. It's like eight and one, but it could be like 
second, third, second, third, second, third, second, third, second, third. Yeah, like so. what's the placing on them kind of thing? All right. Uh, Orem 18th, Conrad 25th at Idlewild, uh, 10th for Orem, 31st at Ledgestone, 31st for Conrad at Ledgestone, 5th and 6th the Preserve, uh, Orem at 5th. Uh, Worlds was flopped by a lot. Orem was 17th. Uh, then 5th and 6th lead goes to Orem at the Utah Open. First uh, at Lone Star Classic, fifth for Conrad. Uh, Orem finished second at Texas States this year, eighth for Conrad. Uh, Orem was 21st at Waco in 2021 and 31st, 34th, oh my gosh, 34th for Conrad. And last year, the only event they played together last year was Ledgestone. Orem finished 11th, Conrad was 64th. Well, there you go. So that's just that's just head to head then. That's, that's yeah, just head to head and Matt has played. Yeah, yeah. it's you know yeah. Matt can be a little bit more picky with his events maybe where James has played a lot more. So I'm sure that factors yeah. into the rankings. Yeah. So yeah, I mean yeah, if you go head to head, Matt's definitely got James uh, minus the major, and then yeah, then it's just how often they played to where which? Matt Matt plays more, which I think he's going to. I, I haven't been listening, but yeah, it, it seems like he is. He's on the fence about a couple of the events. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, he can make it out to him though. I'm curious to see. He said he likes more traditional disc golf course style courses more wooded courses so we're hitting that east coast swing of where that's what it is Mm -hmm. so we're gonna let paul go here but i want to say on this other ranking system that i am looking at matt orham is just over james conrad so there's different ways people do the rankings you know udisc being one of them and in fact before you go paul just what's your in what's your opinion on UDISC world rankings, is that impactful for the sport? Do you think it's important to have like a, a set way that that's done outside of PDGA ratings? What do you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I hate PDGA ratings. So um, <laughs> this is way better. Uh, I don't know their formula and how it works, but I know um, they have they have their system. I think Steve Dodge always posts about his system. Um, so I don't I don't know if it's the system, the, the one that we should be going off yet, but it is a step in the right direction for sure. Cool. Um, but yeah, no, that's good. I, I think to your, to exactly say what you just said, I mean, look at these other rankings. I think UDISC will continue to get better and better. I think that's, what's going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, and yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm real curious. I'm real curious of how far back these go. Like do these factor in last year's, or is it just like what's happened last week? You know, like I wonder how far back they go. Is it a two-year, two-year system, or is it just the current year and how it works? So, well, yeah, and it depends if you're talking UDISC or again the one Steve Dodge has DG, DG rankings. But I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure they go back. Well, I can speak for Steve Dodge. It goes back at least a year. I think it's a year. Yeah. Um, and it's weighted too, which is interesting. It's weighted, so like for longer back you go the less impact that has on, you know, your ranking today. Um, but that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of different systems out there. I was just interested. I'm glad to hear you say it. And we're going to definitely <laughs> clickbait this, this episode, Paul Macbeth. I hate PDGA ratings. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks Paul. We appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. All right. So Nick, we were going down the list. I think we just debated it you out know. though. Huh? Um, you even know. Uh, I'm gonna finish my bars and then head out. All right. Um, it's one of the things when Nick does his recording out of foundation, um, foundations, um, brick and mortar, if you will. Um, but Nick, that mm-hmm. that foundation location <laughs> that rhymes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Is not open to like public shopping, right? It's just like a shipping no. warehouse. 
Yeah, it's not a brick and mortar, or I should say it's not a storefront. Right. So at the moment, people, um, I think people, and if I'm wrong in this, sorry, but I think people are allowed to order. And then if they're kind of a local to this area, they're allowed to come and pick it up and say hello to everyone that's here. But it's definitely not something where people are coming every day and shopping through all the discs, feeling everything. Uh, they're not at that yet. But I think that's something that in the future they are planning on doing. All right, so that was pretty cool, Nick. I, <laughs> you, you've got you've got some uh, well courage to be like he, Paul. You're coming on right now. <laughs> well, he was um he was grabbing stuff from one of his house and had to bring it over to Foundation. So he asked me if I needed anything. He brought me water, which was nice. And then I have all the lights off in here. So literally, the only lights are what's shining on my face right now. And so that's why I was like, well, I don't really know if he's still creeping around or hanging out. And then I just randomly heard him. So I was like, oh, might, might as well come on the show for a couple minutes. Sure. Perfect. Um, so let's do thank a little bit to, more. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Thanks to him. For real. I mean, it's valuable time. Um, so Evan, Nick, and I, let's just talk. What do you think the impact? Do you think this is accurate? Again, I'm looking at a ranking system right now. Um, and there's a list of biggest movers up this list and biggest movers down, but this is MPO specifically right now. I'm talking about Corey Ellis moved up 11 spots in this ranking system. Andrew Marweed moved up 10. Bradley Williams moved up nine. Chris Clemens moved up six and Joel Freeman moved up four. I think what that does is just highlight to us that they've been having a better performance as of late. And yeah, does that seem, I mean, that seems pretty accurate, right? I mean, Corey Ellis, yeah, definitely. Marweed. All, all the names that you just listed are names that we've been hearing about for the last month, to be honest. I mean, Joel Freeman had that great push at Idlewilds. Corey Ellis has been playing great. We've seen his name at a couple events. Uh, he's definitely someone that we're going to try to have on the show soon. Um, Drew Gibson, we saw him playing great at uh, Ledgestone. So definitely names to be on the lookout for. Yeah, and um, part of this conversation has to go to the downer side of it. And we'll get reactions here. Casey White moving down mm -hmm. seven spots. And this isn't just based off of one performance. I mean, it would adjust off of one, but like it's, it's been a, it hasn't been good. <laughs> Casey White, Emerson, Keith, Paul Uliberry, mm -hmm. Anthony Barella, and Kayla Visca. Those last four moved down only four, three or four spots, but they are not trending in the way they want to. Um, yeah. What do you think about that, Evan? Anything stand out or it just seems pretty normal? I mean, uh <laughs> Casey White made a big splash earlier in the year, you know, that thrown with the tilt of Jonesboro and a few other notable things. Uh, it's first year on tour and coming back to home state, you know, maybe you can pick it up. But I think the rest, I mean, just going down three or four spots doesn't really mean a whole lot. Like you said, those guys are probably like in the 30 to 50 range. Uh, any of those guys can beat any of the other ones week to week. You know, you can expect the top four to be in the top. But besides that, it's such a toss up that it's, you know, if you're 35th or you're 45th, it's kind of all the same to me. <laughs> it's it's actually that's a that's a fair it's point. impressive yeah just you know they're great players just they, they, any day they could beat each other you know yeah mm -hmm. and i think what you said that was a great point there and this is why we bring you in studio is like casey white specifically in that list made a bigger impact earlier in the season and so now if he's not able to keep up right if he's not able to keep up with that standard if you will that he set of course, he's going to be trending down. He set a, a really high standard towards the beginning of the season. Yeah, especially in that Texas swing. And then in Jonesboro, he uh, 
we felt like we were talking about him every single week and it's definitely tough when you're doing that throughout the whole year. Um, so yeah, he made a big kind of set the bar really high for himself and then has been, I don't want to say into a slump, but we haven't heard his name too, too much lately, but we are getting back to the East coast where he does prefer these kind of style of courses from what he said in the past. And then Maple Hill is a course where he solidified his USTGC qualifying spot last year. Um, he's had great success at the Vermont tournament dating back to 2018 worlds. So I wouldn't be surprised if we talk about him a little bit more move up in the rankings. Yeah. And not to continue on necessarily with this ranking system, cause this wasn't really the plan, but I do want to talk about at, at this point, I, most ranking systems have, and I think all of them page Pierce at number one, as far as that goes now, it is kind of tilted back that way. I still think it was fun for banter. Some people don't appreciate talking about who's the best or not because they don't feel like that's something you can actually land on. So, and I kind of agree with them. So it's kind of a waste of, (laughs) it's fun to talk as far as sports go, but it's kind of a waste because you can't come to a full conclusion. Um, But as far as FPO goes, these are people that are moving up, which is pretty good. They're trending in the right direction. Alexis Mandahano, Rebecca Cox, Lisa Fakus, Sarah Hokum, Jessica Weiss. I am surprised. This is my reaction. I'll take yours, Evan and or Nick. I'm actually a little surprised to hear Lisa Fakus trended up. I know it's only two spots. This is what Evan's point was earlier. But uh, and Jessica Weiss, I feel like those two are probably trending down. That's a surprise to me. How do you feel? Well, don't forget about Fakus. I believe her her big run in Worlds, right? She got third. She was kind of mm-hmm. pushing it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I kind of thought the same thing is, you know, with all these young guns coming up on both MPO and FPO that uh, Fakus would be kind of the ones to kind of suffer from that. But she's kind of held in there really well. But this is talking specific. I think this is updated weekly, if I'm not mistaken. This is mm-hmm. weekly. So like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's updated right until Stafford open. Right. Um, so I'm think- just, I'm just like, Lisa has, I've picked her for a few big wins. I thought like, even in this past couple of weeks, I was like, oh, she's going to be the one that breaks through because she was doing so well, but she's kind of been not doing as well as she had been. And the same for Jessica Weiss. I feel like they both were on the similar plane for the for- first portion of the season. And now they're kind of averaging below but apparently the stats are showing otherwise they're still moving in the or staying the same or moving up so i mean lisa placed ninth at idlewild with jessica placing 13th at idlewild i think these are players that uh here and there we're seeing their name on the lead card or in the chase card um so they're getting their notable mentions but then not solidifying win but then every so often they're coming out and they're playing great at tournaments with lisa getting i think a couple wins so far this year um let's see yeah she's got a couple wins so far this year and then jessica consistently playing well um but i don't think has that big win this year yet yeah and then one other name here i'll get evan's reaction on this i'm gonna say it ella hansen what do you when you hear that name evan what do you think well, she, she was another one that made it, you know, a huge splash, kind of like Casey early in the year and at USWDGC. Um, I, I I know she was planning on putting a lot of effort into disc golf, but I want to say that she started playing Ultimate, or at least I just feel like she talks about Ultimate still a lot. Of course, it's where she started, so it makes sense. But I wonder with Ultimate kind of picking up more, if how much commitment is going to be to disc golf or Ultimate or both. Um, but I, I don't know if she's coming out to this Eastern swing or not. Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. Our interview with Ella, she said she was taking off a break this portion that we've just gone through from mm-hmm. Worlds till now. And I believe, 
Yeah, maybe Evan can look it up. I think she's going to play MVP. Um, uh, maybe. I think she said she was going to try. I think that was actually what part of her interview was. And Smugs. She's registered for both MVP mm-hmm. and Green Mountain. Okay. Yeah, I said Smugs. I guess it's Green Mountain Championship. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, we will see here. Do you feel like, and I just picked on her because she was in a little trend downward according to the ranking system we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, and it not significant necessarily, but do you feel like those courses are going to suit her or they're going to really reveal her weaknesses? So, I mean, Ella from what I've gathered at the beginning of the year, especially she throws far, she has a big power distance and everything like that. I haven't seen her game too, too much to where I feel like I could just dissect everything, but from what it looked like, she does play better on open courses, which we're getting to a state of the disc golf tour to where these courses aren't too open, barring a couple holes here and there. I think she's going to play well, but like Evan was just saying, she kind of put this really high expectation for the world to view her because of how she played at the beginning of the year. And then I think the best thing to say is like, we got to remember that she hasn't been playing necessarily too long, but she's already made a pretty good name for herself. So give it a little bit more time. And I think she is going to climb the ranks, but right now I put her where she's at, I think is pretty spot on. Where does, does you just have her listed in their world rankings? Cause you had that up. I don't know if you can still yeah. see it. Where do they have her? Yeah, they hit, they have her at 14 right now. Uh, just, just above Rebecca Cox, Alexis Manuhondo, and, uh, couple other people okay and then just behind valerie and jessica weiss so okay i think it's it's tough for me because i haven't seen her play too much um i could go back and look up coverage and say yeah this is what i think is going to happen but pretty much same thing she hasn't been playing necessarily too too long so it's tough to for me it's tough to gauge it yeah and this other ranking system that I'm looking at again, DG rankings is has her at 14th place as well. So they're both right on the same thing. And that's over Kona. That's another name, right? Evan mm-hmm. big splash, right? Same thing you were saying mm-hmm. in the beginning of the season. And she's been really changing up a lot of what she's been doing with mechanics. I think, especially for putting, we know that, um, mm-hmm. but Ella's over Kona, Holly Finley. Here's a name. That's like, it just impressive to be here in general. Juliana Corver, 17th. Yeah, I know, rank, right? so. I love it. Yeah. With Ella, just kind of going through her stats really quick. She missed cast at Ledgestone, taking 27th place. Matt, you're on the wrong screen. Oh, nice. Thanks for calling that out. I hit the wrong button. Yeah, we no have problem. our old guest up. That's <laughs> all good. Uh, 11th place at the World Championships, but then two of the big ones was third place at Portland Open, which was a long course. And then for the 2021 United States Women's Disc Golf Championships, she also placed placed third place. I did the same thing Evan just did earlier and all of a sudden developed a lisp. <laughs> but um, it's, from what it seems like, more open courses suit her. I know I was just saying that, but I am curious because she hasn't been playing too long. I mean, she's only been registered for the PGA for two years and she's already placing third place at some of these majors for the women. And then, you know, she's placing well at elite series events. So give it some time next year. I'm sure we're going to see her break that top 10 very consistently. Yeah. So that is really kind of our stat talk here. Although I do want to give, because we have stat Mando in the house. Is there anything that we missed that's like pretty cool that you'd want to share for stats or am I just putting you on the spot now we've used it all up? 
Well, we were just talking about Ella Hansen and Juliana Corver, and I- I've thought about this in the past. I don't think the Pro Tour does anything official as like a rookie of the year, but I was thinking like, how would you go about deciding the rookie of the year? And you know, kind of thinking, you know, maybe like in baseball, you can play like a a third of the year or so without counting as a rookie. So I was going to say if you've pl- played one or or less events in the past, so you pretty much all your events are this year. You give a one gimme. Who's who's done the best and Believe it or not, Juliana Corver did not play her first disc golf pro tour event until this year. Could she be mm-hmm. your disc golf pro tour rookie of the year? Uh, Ella Hansen mm-hmm. is also up there as well. Um, and a few other names. So I just, I thought that was interesting. You know, I don't know how old she is exactly. Yeah. That's, that's good in- insight there. I, that's a whole con Nick, we should prepare for that conversation rookie of the year and or player of the year. That's going to be a conversation I've been watching like a little bit here. Yeah. But we're going to have to see how these next two events unfold, really. Um, yeah. Because even the, play, the player of the year talk is for, I would say, both sides of the spectrum right now between the MPO and the FPO division is still a toss up on who could solidify exactly who it is. But. I'm not even going to say who I think it is at the moment because I think there's still so much left of the season. Uh, one of the biggest determining factors is going to be two of these next pro tour events, but then the, the United States disc golf championships for the men uh, is going to be massive. And then for the throw pink event for the women, I mean, it's tough. And then you got to count the pro tour championships. I mean, there's still so much disc golf left to go. It's like, it's like if, um, uh, what's it called? If, Paul wins three of these elite series events. Do we put him in the conversation of it? If Ricky wins it, does he get it? If Eagle wins two more pro tour events, you know, what goes on with that? If Paige just wins the next two events, but then loses the rest of them, what happens there? There's just still so much more disc golf to talk about. And what you just said, I'm not going to reiterate because you're right. There's, there's so many storylines that could unfold. All right. Moving in to our final topic here because it is coming up in about a little less than uh, a month i think here the match play um provided by the disc golf pro tour the match play championship i wanted to do a quick let's run through the bracket as they've put it up and let's just kind of say out loud who you think might win that this is not to be held to right now we can talk as we get closer but right now Mm -hmm. as it stands how do you feel i'll i'll get reaction from evan and nick and i'll give my opinion uh, the first one here, Paige Pierce versus Deanna Carey. I mean, is that a question? I mean, Paige is going to win it. Okay, so everyone, Paige, do you disagree, Evan? No, I agree. Okay. Deanna Carey does have the fun the... thing about match play. Yeah, Deanne, Deanne's great. Don't get me wrong; she's a great player. But the fun thing about the fun thing about match play is that it's just like it. You could take a six. And your opponent takes a two and you only lose one point, but then there's pushes and it's like that. That's what's really fun about match play. But I think for a battle like that, it's very heavily favored in Paige Pierce's direction. Yeah. Um, so I, could we just like jump to the end and say who it's going to be Paige versus I kind of feel that way. But so then let's say the next matchup is Sarah Hokum, Jessica Weiss. Wow. Uh, what do you feel? That- Evan? Well, Hokum's been battling an injury, I think, for a lot of this year. So I don't want to say it's a gimme to her. Um, I think historically she's a better player. But I, I would say I would still pick Hokum, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Weiss. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that one's a toss up. It's, it's, uh, 
it's very close to call. Um, but if I feel like I want to put if if they're both healthy, I want to put Sarah winning it. But if she is battling some injuries, then I think Jessica obviously has the upper hand. Um, but yeah. And if I'm rolling the dice there, I feel like it's going to be Sarah Hokum, but it's going to be close. And this is match play to your point. I, I don't know the course fully, so that could affect it as well if it's Sarah or Jessica. Jessica Weiss has both forehand and backhand, whereas Hokum is pretty limited. So really, the course is going to factor there. But okay, yeah. um, the next one, Missy Gannon, Kona Panis. What's your reaction to that? That's a is that the same conversation as Hokum and Weiss? Like, or is it more like? Yeah, what do you think, dude? It, it, it kind of is. That's why I love. I was just looking at this. I mean, these players, Missy Gannon, Kona Panis, Katrina Allen, Haley King. Like, there's so many toss-ups in this right now. To where I'm like, look, I think Missy is playing better as of late. Kona, I think, started the year off hotter than Missy did. So when you kind of put in recency bias, it makes me want to choose Missy Gannon winning, which I. I would say that's that's why I feel like we'll win it currently at the moment. So one of our um, commenters, Todd Bouchard, from the, almost the beginning of our show, I think, like when mm -hmm. we started 56 episodes yeah. ago. Oh, yeah. He said, well, what's their head-to-head? -head? We got Stat Mando. So we can do that, actually, and kind of see how it would play out. So what yeah. are you going to give us up? I got Missy Gannon versus Kona Panis in 2021. Uh, it's closer than I thought. It's 10-7 to 7 for Missy Gannon. But... It looks like Gannon has five out of the last six. Um, kind of since the beginning of June, it's kind of been all in, in Missy's favor, uh, especially with the last two events being Idlewild, that they've played together, uh, being Idlewild and Ledgestone, which Missy finished second in both of those, and Kona was outside the top 10 for both. I I'm going to go with Gannon for that one. Yeah, and that's the way I was leaning mm -hmm. as well. But because again, but I mean, we've got four weeks. Kona says she's feeling good. I just saw her social post. And I mean, she she's had a break and all that. Hopefully this does translate well for her. Uh, the final one, Katrina yeah. Allen, Haley King. Statman is going to give us that head to head. But if my initial reaction is that is going to be epic. If they're both playing to their best, it's going to be the match of the first round for sure to be like, watch that. Yeah, exactly. I think that that match is... I think that one to me is going to be the most interesting because the thing about Haley right now, and we've said this in the past is that I feel like when Haley is not winning the tournament, she kind of just loses that little bit of focus. And so she drops further down the leaderboard than I feel like she should. If she was just kind of like keep her head high and say, you know what? I'm not winning this one, but third, fourth place is right there. I can easily solidify that. Sometimes I feel like she just loses her mindset and it drops down. When Katrina's been playing pretty consistently well all year with some really dominant performances, but I think Haley also has some really dominant before, uh, performances like at some of these NTs. So if they're both playing great, which is what I really hope is the case, I think you go for a toss-up. If you're looking at, like as a betting person, I would put Katrina winning it. Oh, okay, if we're betting. So, Evan, what does your stat Mando page say for head-to-head? Uh, -head? Katrina Allen this year is up 9-5 to five over Haley. Uh, Katrina has three outright wins and Haley has two. Um, it, it's kind of flip flops back and forth the whole time. Something I noticed <laughs> real quick is it looks like only once were they within like two strokes of each other. It's kind of a lot of swings, like one wins by like three to six strokes an event. And then the other wins by like three to six. So, uh, yeah, it, it just exactly kind of who gets streaky on that day, you know? 
So here's the takeaway. Based off of the general consensus of what we just discussed, I kind of did quick here through the, the bracket, and we're going to have a Paige and Katrina Allen match play final round. Does that sound right to you? I mean, it could all obviously alter, but like based off of what we just said, kind of feels like that might be how it plays out. That doesn't seem that far off. But I will say this, if it's not Katrina making it to the end, it's probably Haley, which sounds about right too. But it's going to be epic. I, I'll, I'm excited yeah. to see how that unfolds. Same. Okay. Absolutely. And then um, let me see here if I can get my notes here to show me the MPO. We don't need to spend as long because you have a lot yeah. of head-to-heads I, here. I, I have it up right now, Matt. Go so for we'll it. Go with it. Uh, the number one player, Eagle McMahon versus the 16th seed, Chris Clemens. I got Eagle. Okay, easy. Yeah, let's go to the next one. Yep. Well, I don't mean easy. I don't want to do any disrespect here, but I just mean easy as in like general consensus. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Uh, James Conrad versus Adam Hammes. Okay, this is my first pause. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like, oh my God. Goodness, right now, if you had the match play right now, I'm kind of feeling James, but that's not an easy decision because I feel like mm-hmm. if they're both playing at their top, it's I feel like it's a dead heat. And if you look at the ranking system that we were just talking about, I think that even has them just about, well, actually has James just slightly ahead of Adam. It's as, got James, yeah, a little bit ahead. So maybe that's the way it tilts do you have a head-to-head there evan yeah it's really close actually uh there has been uh 15 events james leads seven to six with two ties although the strokes are uh, james is a 32 stroke lead in all those events combined and real quick what we know about this course i think i saw a preview it's kind of long some of it's, I think it's a mixture of open and wooded. I don't think it's dominant one direction or the other based off of my recollection. Yeah. yeah. My quick memory kind of almost like thinking preserve with a lot more elevation and uh, J- uh, James Conrad finished sixth at preserve and Ham has finished 45th. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I want to say again, one more recollection. We should just go look it up, but it was that maybe it was like a mixture of like Fox run and, and Brewster, which is the, Green Mountain Championships, wooded and open. So I think it's a pretty balanced course. So that's that's good, I feel like, for this. Um, you had next on there, okay, Paul McBeth, Gavin Rathbun. Now, there's there's a hard stop here. I We just had Paul there. We should have asked him to give us a, a press release. <laughs> I, don't yeah. think, I don't think Paul's playing that. I know there's a big tournament that they've been trying to push down there in Virginia. You're playing in it, Nick, right? Uh, the Battle of Bedford Ooh. or something? No? I know oh, I'm going to be in Massachusetts. Yeah, I'm going to be in Massachusetts. So, okay, but Paul's not, I, if we're rolling what we know, Paul's not playing this match play championship. If we roll with what we know. And, exactly. Um, well, for the sake of conversation, Paul McBeth versus Gavin <laughs> Rathbun. Okay, but I, I'm going to say, like, Gavin might be really happy because that moves him up to a different spot to play a different player. This could all cycle and shift. But, yeah, okay. Kyle Klein versus Joel Freeman. Uh, that's pretty good. Kyle. But if Kyle's on his game, yeah, he's got it. Calvin Hal- Hamburg. Hamburg. <laughs> Hamburg. I just, I butchered his first name, like, yeah. and then I said Hamburg. Okay. Calvin Heimberg, Garrett Gerthy. Heimberg. Right? Okay. 
Kevin Jones, Drew Gibson. Ooh. Is that? What do you think? Oh, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. That's a tough one. Evan's I want to give it to up. Kevin. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, I want to give it to Kevin, but like, I really, I would love it if Drew just went, did like, did really well in all of this. Oh yeah. They're they have played twelve events this year. They are tied at five and five with two more ties. Uh, wow. Something interesting is Kevin Jones looks like he in events they've played together, so it's not necessarily Kevin Jones's whole streak. But since Mid America in April. He has never finished outside the top 15 when facing Drew Gibson and Drew Gibson has three outside the top 15. Really? <sighs> but I mean, they, they went neck and neck at Idlewild. They both finished third. Uh, Drew had that great run at uh, Northwood uh, and ended up finishing fourth at Ledgestone. Uh, he also had a fifth mm-hmm. at Santa Cruz. And I mean, even a sixth at Las Vegas, just think of all different kinds of courses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be an epic one. That one's going to be a roll of the dice. But then you can play out these brackets, right, and say, well, whoever wins out of that, were they going to make it to the end anyways? But Ricky Wysocki versus Chris Dickerson? Mm. Uh, that's tough, too. But I want to give it to Ricky. Yeah, I think so. If we were talking Hornet's Nest again, like Disc Golf Pro Tour like championship finale, then like it's much harder conversation. If this is... If this is a really good mix, but it's kind of, I think I got a tip to Wysocki. And then Locastro, Nico Locastro versus Ezra Aderhold. That's going to be a fun one. That's going to be a really fun one to watch. I would love it if Ezra pulled that one out. And then that'd be really fun to watch. And But I think, I mean, if it really does all depend on the course. But Ezra, I feel like, has been kind of playing well again. If I'm going to look this up really quick, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd give it to Ezra. Yeah. Ezra has been playing better than, you know, a portion of his season and some ranking systems here. The one I'm looking at, he moved up two spots. He's in the top 20 for sure. He's doing, he's doing good for himself, uh, but that will be yeah. really interesting. So all of that being considered, I, <laughs> I think Eagle's going to make it out of the first round. I think I'm just going to pick here, I guess. Um, James is going to make it out of the first round. So then Eagle and James. Probably Eagle. Do you pick Eagle going all the way to the end? For his bracket. The next person, yes. the next person he would have to go up to, though, is if Paul was there and Paul's yeah, not going to be. That's... So then Kyle Klein. So will Eagle beat Kyle Klein? That's actually a fun conversation. He should, maybe. He should. He should. I think he will. I think he has a much better chance of beating Kyle. But Kyle's Kyle's been playing well recently. Don't get me wrong. But Eagle is the number one in the Pro Tour standings, whatever. But yeah, I think for the way Eagle's bracket goes, um, especially with Paul McBeth not, I would say realistically not going to this event, uh, I think Eagle gets a chance to go to the finals. And this is the fun of MPO and FPO at this point is there, I guess I say the fun of it. Like when you have Katrina and Haley and Paige, you kind of feel like that might happen. Not guaranteed match play can change it all. But again, looking at MPO here, I think Calvin's going to make it pretty far in his bracket as far as he can. And then 
It's either Dickerson or Wysocki, but we said Wysocki. So if it's Calvin versus Wysocki and Eagle versus Kyle, let's say Eagle goes, it's hard to say if it's going to be Wysocki or Heimberg. In the end, I though, feel like, yeah, I feel like it would be a Ricky Eagle battle for the match play bracket championship. Say that again. <laughs> Repeat that. I said. I said, I think it will be Eagle versus Ricky in the match play championships. With Ricky winning. All right. Dark horses in there. Wild horses. Kyle Klein and uh, Chris Dickerson. Mm -hmm. Anything stand out to you, Evan? I know you pulled up some stats. What else do you see? Head-to-heads on anything? Uh, I think I went through all the head-to-heads we have. Uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting how it, it shifts. You know, if Paul leaves, everyone will bump up one, and then you're going to change the it's match ups. I think, all of them, yeah. You know, James would go down and play Joel Freeman instead. Exactly. Like it, it's going to be kind of crazy, but uh, wild. I probably have to agree with, you know, the Ricky versus Eagle. I mean, they're one and two. Uh, I think this course suits him really well. And if if Paul's not there, I feel like Heinberg hasn't been, I guess he tied for ledge down, but it feels like week in, week out, he's not, you know, fighting top two. Yep. I think I got to go yep. with Ricky versus Eagle. Can we do, and I think there's systems out there, and I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure the Pro Tour is going to do this. And if they don't, Statman will get on this. <laughs> you don't have. Is, um, like, the bracket system, like March Madness. I'm saying, like, can we do the Nick and Matt show, like, contest where, like, only people, you know, that want to do it as part of Nick and Matt show, we can compete against each other, pick our brackets, see who gets it right, that kind of thing. If it ends up being Ricky and Cal, or Ricky and Eagle, you pick the winner, and we have multiple people pick winners. We'll find a way to determine a winner somehow. But we could probably well, do that. Well, let's start figuring it out now. We'll set yeah. up a website to where we make Something. the bracket when yeah. it's officially announced, and then it costs five dollars to enter, and whoever wins the bracket, <laughs> five dollars to you enter. Know? <laughs> yeah. Then we split, gotta make some money somehow. We split the raffle between Stat Mando yeah. and Nick and Matt. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll see now they're <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're gonna build the whole website now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, make some money. <laughs> um, all right. Well, shout out to all of those who listen through this far. We have a pretty consistent, steady uh, at live listeners to this point. And we've just been continuing to see that our listenership, if you will, and viewership has continued to increase. We can only say thank you so much for that. I am wearing right now, I think someone asked about it, a Stat Mando hat. I am. Pr- I, we'll see. I might order one specifically when they go on sale. I might recite, not recycle. I might put this up and display it as, as part of the journey we've been on. Uh, but definitely go support Statmando. Check out their website. Nick, where can they find Nick and Matt Show product? Foundationdisc.com. If you actually go on my Instagram, there is a link for it at Disc Golf Nick Carl. That's just a shameless plug, really quick. But no, if you go on <laughs> foundationdisc.com, you look up the Nick and Matt Show, you'll actually find t shirts. And hats. And the hats are really cool. I'm actually not wearing it right now. Um, I think it's at the house. But they come in a black with our Nick and Macho logo on it, a navy blue, and then there's a really cool white one. I like the white one the most. Yeah, and I think I will have uh, some die-cut stickers of the Nick and Matt show at MVP. So if anybody recognizes us for whatever reason, they're like, Paul Macbeth, Matt Graham or Nick, mm, I'm going to go to Paul. But if you do come over and yeah, say hi, exactly. if you do, maybe I'll have, you know, a Nick and Matt show sticker I could get you or whatever. And I'm considering <laughs> getting a lot of footage for maybe bringing back Judge That Disc Golfer in a more regular format. So we're going to try to do a lot. That week is going to be packed. 
So seems like a very busy week. So maybe yeah. we don't capture yeah. anything because we're just so busy. <laughs> I know, right? But and in fact, the whole Stat Mando crew is actually coming. Or is that correct, Evan? The whole Stat Mando crew is coming out here to New York. Yeah, all three of us. Well, I'm already here, but yeah, Dion and Hans. Uh, shout out to them. The other two members of Stat Mando will be uh, flying out to Massachusetts uh, a little right before MVP. We'll be doing some cool stats there. Uh, we'll we'll share exactly what we're doing there probably a, a little bit later once we get all the details out. But it'll be really cool stuff. Uh, so if you are at uh, MVP Open find those Nick and Matt stickers, but also uh, look around for us too and ask us about cool stats or see what we got for you. Yeah. You could do oh, like, yeah. you could do like stats stickers yourself, like here, like random stats just on stickers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Right. Here is this. Oh, that looks so good on this camera. The Nick and Matt show sticker. I will have these. I think I'll have these the first come first serve. I don't remember how many I have right now, but we've made it to the end it's going to be epic. All the shows coming up. I hope we can keep lining up these great guests. It's just kind of, I don't want to say lucky, Nick. We work hard to get them, but <laughs> we got to we yeah. gotta keep working hard. Uh, let us know who you'd like yeah. to have on the show. And Nick, go ahead and close us exactly. out. Uh, I'll see you guys next week, actually, in person. More than likely, I should be heading back Sunday night, Monday morning, something like that. Probably Sunday night. But um, to everyone still listening right now, thank you so much for our live audience. We really appreciate it. anyone listening afterwards. Thank you. Also, you can find us on all of the podcast platforms. Go ahead and give us a download. Give us a review, a thumbs up, whatever you got to do on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the Foundation Podcast Network. We're thankful for Foundation for allowing us to join that network. They've also got Grip Locked and the new Debate Night podcast that they do. Um, like I said, click it like subscribe all that fun stuff leave a comment on who you on who you would want to see on the show we'll see you all next week and tell someone you love them nick and evan you guys are awesome peace out peace the nick and matt show a disc golf podcast designed for you the disc golfer find the nick and matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the foundation podcast youtube channel 